The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hey everybody, welcome to Modern Day Debate, and tonight we're going to be having a discussion between Jay, uh, Trey Jadlow and David C. Smalley, and uh, it's going to be on, is Christianity true? So uh, hold on to your hats everybody, Trey, the floor is all yours. All right, well thank you for this opportunity, I'm glad to join you all at Modern Day Debate this day, and uh, since the topic of debate is on the validity of Christianity, I am uh, granted the burden to demonstrate my case, and therefore I would like to go first and say that um, I am going to give an analytical argument. Um, and I, I, Again, I'm going to give my opening, and then and David and I will just go back and forth, hopefully. Um, and uh, I'm going to give an analytical argument for the existence of God, because uh, the, the Christian faith is founded upon the Christian scriptures, and so we have to be able to give a defense for uh, the validity of the Bible, but before we try to demonstrate the Bible empirically or through um, uh, evidence, we need to uh, first establish that there is a God to give a word. So I will begin with a, a an argument uh, from contingency or from causality on the existence of God. And uh, when we begin our back and forth, I'll ask for a few fundamental presuppositions from David to grant me, and uh, then we will proceed uh, through the argument uh, uh, seriatim or through a, a logical step-by-step -step way. And so uh, I'm not coming to give an argument for um, the idea as to whether the Christian God exists in a probability sense or in an evidential sense. Um, the, the, you know, generally when you're trying to demonstrate something, there are two ways to do it. You can do it through empiricism um, and evidence, which will give you merely probability uh, this would be kind of like the scientific method. Uh, it's always changing because uh, our senses are always um, kind of uh, tricking us, if you will, in, in some minor ways. And then you've also got the opportunity to prove uh, a case, which would be like mathematical proofs or demonstration, which uh, is not evidential in nature. It is, uh, or probability, it is uh, a proof. It is an analytical uh, a verity that cannot be um questioned if the premises are granted of the argument itself. Um, and so that's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to first begin with the existence of God, and I'm going to demonstrate that there is um, a, a creator. And um, then uh, as we proceed from there, then we can go into the specifics of Christianity, which will not be analytical arguments. They will be evidential, and they could be uh, questioned because uh, they're not uh, necessarily true. And um, and then uh, we'll just proceed from there and uh, see what see what David's got in order to uh, refute my perspective. There we go. Take myself off mute. There, I don't drive everybody uh, crazy with the uh, the muting tonight. Thank you so much for that opening statement there, uh, Trey. Uh, and to the live chat, I'll just let you know that Modern Day Debate, we are a neutral platform. We'll host debates on science, religion, politics, uh, you name it. You know, if it's interesting, if it's happening, uh, we're interested. So, um uh, yeah, you know, definitely, uh, definitely give some love to our speakers here for being here uh, tonight to have the discussion. And over to you, David. 
Yeah, so thanks for having me. It's been a while since I've been back on. Uh, thanks to Trey for agreeing to do this as well. Um, I, I thought you were going to have, I put your argument forth in your opening statement and you kind of just laid out an agenda, kind of what, what we're going to do. And and I think we're both pretty easygoing in that we just want to have the discussion sort of uh, in a Socratic style of question and answer to find out where each person stands. Um and you're right, you do have the burden of proof. I'm, I'm so glad you acknowledged that in the beginning because my, you know, I, I often get caught up in people trying to um, pit atheism against Christianity as though they're opposites. And in fact, you know, atheism is no more the opposite of Christianity than being transparent is the opposite of red. Um, atheism stands aside from the religion saying, I don't quite see proof. Uh, for my belief, you having a belief is different. It could be, you know, uh, ex, uh, you know, personal experience or whatever, as you said, analytical versus evidential. And um, whatever's happened to you personally, for you to believe is perfectly fine. But to determine whether something is true or not would require, I believe, uh, substantial uh, proof outside of your own experiences. So. I'll just end it with that and say that's what I'm looking forward to. Not that it's true to you or that you believe it, but that it mm -hmm. is true for everyone um, regardless of their beliefs. And uh, I've analyzed this stuff for many, many years, had my podcast for 13 years. I've had theology professors on. I've, I've really tried to get an understanding of why people believe what they believe, and I've yet to... Um, be convinced that Christianity is true. Um, and I'm still searching, I'm still looking and I'm wondering, you know, if, if it's so clear to you, why is it not clear to me? So I'm, I'm interested in, in seeing what evidence or analysis you have. Excellent. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that, David. Uh, we're going to kick it into an open discussion. I want to remind everybody in the live chat that our guests are linked in the description, and they will be linked in the description of our podcast as well. So if you like what you're hearing from Trey or David, definitely check them out in the uh, description below. Uh, and as a secondary reminder, we are doing a Q&A at the end of this discussion, so get your questions in there, and we will read them out. Uh, we're going to kick it into an open discussion, as I said, so Trey, we'll kick it over to you to, uh, to open us up. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you so much. Um, all right. So, uh, David, when we begin our, our inquiry here, um, I, I said that I'm going to need a couple of uh, groundwork um, uh, presuppositions, if you will. I am not a presuppositionalist, just so you know. Good. I'm actually a, an ardent opponent to presuppositionalism. I don't think Good. it's uh, reasonable. Uh, I have many wonderful friends who I think are very, you know, wonderful, godly people who hold to that. But um, I, in my opinion, it's uh, transcendental idealism with Christian lipstick. It's not it's not biblical Christianity. It's just enlightenment philosophy dressed up like Christianity. It also doesn't make for, it also doesn't make for a very productive conversation. That's the problem with it. It, it commits the petitio per hippie fallacy, you know, the begging the question. Um, and my my precept friends or minds are exploding right now in disagreement. But uh, but it does. And that's a problem. And uh, I'm also not an evidentialist. Evidentialistic, as I stated, are. Uh, folks who uh, look at uh, empirical evidence regarding claims of the Bible might, and they oftentimes will focus on uh, the resurrection. Um, um, and they can never give you analytical certainty, though that's the problem with it. And uh, so what I'm going to do, I'm a classicist. 
and I'm going to use some uh, arguments that will be uh, a forms of cosmological argument. Um, and my favorite one is from the argument from contingency. But uh, I need a couple of epistemological tools um, that will enable us to inquire and get be on the same page because, um, you know, if we don't agree on these, then, then, then we can't really go anywhere. So the first thing I want to ask from you, David, is will you grant me uh, rational coherence or the law of non-contradiction as we begin? This sounds like a trap. It's not. I've, I've never had anybody question <laughs> these ever. Um, um, because if we don't have a law of non-contradiction, are you familiar with the principle of explosion? Uh, yes, 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 yes. I mean, the, the, nothing makes any sense at all unless you can say coherence must guide our discussion. We've got to have rational coherence. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. There's no trick whatsoever. I, I understand. I understand. But I, I, I've, I've been in conversations before where the, the end result is, and I'm glad you said before you're not a pre-sub because a lot of times when that is stated, it comes down to I can't be rational without God. Therefore, I have God. I'm just denying what I know to be true. And then it, it kind of goes into the uh, fool has said in his heart there is no God. But yes, on on its face, I, I of course, I mean, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not appealing to that at all. Okay. Um, all I'm saying is uh, here's the, here's the problem with presuppositionalism because what the precept will tell me, they'll say, well, all argumentation is circular Trey, because you are presupposing logic. <laughs> and the, the problem is, so we're all presupposing. So they say, is it a good circle you're arguing in or a, uh, a bad circle? And my rebuttal to that is that no, to, to assume the, the instruments for inquiry is not circular argumentation. It's not committing the petitio fallacy because what the presuppositionalist is doing, they are saying that um, they're taking a material proposition, the God of Christianity, the triune God of scripture is the foundation for all reality. Therefore, you must epistemologically accept it a priori, in other words, without reason, in order to have an engagement. And that's ridiculous because you can't, you can't know Trinity until you learn it. Um, it everybody doesn't know that innately. Um, yeah. so, so it, it does um, it does shut down conversations, like I said. So, so but, yeah, what's your, because what's your it's next... ir ir irrational. That's the problem. What's your next thing um, you'd like me to accept? Okay, so logic. We have to have logical coherence, or law of non-contradiction, and then secondly, or other laws of thought. You know, excluded middle and law of identity, and then you got to have the basic reliability of sense perception. Now, I'm not saying your senses must be perfect, but again, we have no connection to this world unless we will grant ourselves the presupposition that we somehow. Our, our senses relate to the world in some fundamental sense. Um, yes, with the caveat that sometimes those senses make mistakes. And Absolutely. sometimes sometimes those senses correct those mistakes and sometimes they don't. And sometimes um, we misinterpret the information our senses are receiving. Uh, with those caveats, yes, mostly they're reliable. Okay, and that's why I said basically reliable. Yeah, mostly sure. reliable. All right, so beginning with those two uh, uh, instruments of inquiry, again, they're not propositions. I'm not telling you something is true. Those are just the tools. You don't have the tools, you don't have any inquiry. All right, so with those, then I say that if something exists, I don't have a piece of paper here if you can, if you want to write these down, but if something exists, there's only four possibilities, okay? And if something exists, it is um, either um, an illusion, or secondly, it is self-created or it is self-existent or 
it is created by something that is self-existent. Those are the only four possibilities. I've been arguing this for uh, nearly a decade now. I've never nobody's been able to come up with a fifth option without just in, impinging on one of the other options. So if something exists, there are only four possibilities. You have an illusion, self-created, self-existent, or created by something that's self-existent. All right. And I want to go through these four here and and demonstrate a problem with them. And, and you're welcome to jump in at any time if you need clarification or you want to rebut me or something like that. All right. Well, so I the first one is go ahead. I'm just wondering aloud uh, if something could be created by something else that was self-created. I think that no, would be self-creation. Self-creation is the violation of the second one there. That it doesn't work. Let me just go through them and then we'll let's 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 chat about them if we can. Okay. Um, all right. So the first one is that which exists is an illusion. And are you familiar with Descartes' uh, cogito ergo sum? I think yes. therefore I am. Yes, yes. Okay. So basically because of that, if there's a thinker, there must be um, uh, someone asking the question. Therefore, if you could be an illusion, this computer could be an illusion, our conversation could be having a dream, I'm having it right now. But one thing that I do know is that I, the inquirer, am asking a question. And therefore, everything cannot be an illusion. Everything but me could be an illusion. But I know that I myself, and not an illusion because otherwise there's nobody to ask a question. Do you grant that? Um, not necessarily. Okay. Um, if you could write quick there, Trey, um, and just for a live audience there, um, just give a quick summarization of how, or, or just as you're going through these uh, breakdowns, if you can uh, keep pushing in um, how that relates exactly to the Christian claim and, uh, I think that might be useful for the specific topic, but I'm going to jump back out here and uh, let you guys continue. Sure. As I stated, I'm first making making a uh, an argument, an analytical argument for the existence of God, because if there is no God, then there's no word for him to give, which would be the specific claims of Christianity. And as I stated, the the, the arguments for the existence of God are irrefutable. Um, if you grant the presuppositions that I gave you, they necessarily follow from uh, the premises that I make, and I, I've not had not only been, this argument never been defeated. I've never seen I've never seen a serious question to it, um, and so well, maybe David was, will be the one. Well, yeah, I was I was trying to make one, but you, you asked me to hold on, so I'll I can keep waiting. But I am interested as well as because I I could even potentially grant that just for sakes of this conversation that God could exist and Christianity could still be false. That's true. So I don't absolutely. I, I um, in fact, many of my discussions, I'll go ahead and just say, fine. Let's say there is a God or a first cause or a creator. Let's find out if your holy book is from a God that loves humanity. Let's get into that and see if it checks out. Let's check the Bible's credit according to this creator. I don't believe that there is a creator. I don't believe that there is mm -hmm. a God. I, I think right. that that if the universe exists, uh, it it came either either self-created which is a, a whole bag of worms we could get into or it be could, or or it could have been created by the implosion or explosion of something else that was self-created meaning something came into existence in an unknown way fitting one of your options and the, mm -hmm. the death of that thing or implosion or explosion of said thing could have created the universe we know that i think is a fifth option that you haven't uh, allow no, you just you just you just added another step to the second one you just you just did a topological you said basically 
it, something created itself by something that created itself. And you could just have an infinite regress. No, no, no. It's not self-created. It was created by something else dying or exploding. That was, was the thing that died or exploded self-created. Yes, but that's different from something okay, self No, it's not. You're just repeating yourself. No, 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 no. You're, if, not, you're, not, you're answering nothing by saying that. No, no, no. I, I disagree. If, if, that, if our universe... You're just, you're just, you're just adding, say, you're adding complexity to a simple argument. You're, you're violating uh, Occam's razor, actually. No, 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 no. Let me, let, me, let me explain. Let's say, let me put forth the argument that aliens, very high intelligent beings, created a universe. Okay? That universe reached its peak, whatever, and imploded or exploded. Mm-hmm. In the explosion of that universe that was created by an intelligent being, this thing exploded in its death and on its own natural processes occurred, which became our universe. I don't think that is the universe creating itself. I think that is the universe being created out of something else that was created. I'm not complicating the second step. I'm saying there is a fifth option. I mean, that's you, not a fifth you, option, not, you not accepting it as a fifth option doesn't mean it's not a fifth option. Well, you're bringing it up does not make it a, a true as sure, well, my friend. Sure, but I'm but I'm sure there are there are people who who disagree with both of us. But uh, I'm just yeah. I'm just saying and it, it doesn't there, matter there is, what either one of us thinks. Could doesn't be, matter. It's what's true. Something could have been created by something else that was self-created, and you haven't allotted for that. Because me, an alien making okay, but- universe. An alien making universe, that universe exploding and creating this universe does not mean this universe is self-created. It came from something else that was created, and you haven't allotted for that yeah. before. Okay, but the thing that created is self-created, right? Yeah, but that's not part of your options. That, 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 that you've answered nothing. It, absolutely yeah. nothing. All you've done is make, make it more complex. In other words, you've taken a problem, you've just compounded it eternally, because what created that which created you, you All right, let's go to the second. Let me go to the second, and this is actually the problem with the argument right here. That which exists is self-created. Why is it a problem for something to create itself? Do you know? This actual answer, the, the objection you had. I mean, something has to exist in order to do the creating? Yes. It violates a lot of non-contradiction. This is why I ask, this is one of the beginning uh, uh, presuppositions I asked for. Mm-hmm. In, order, in order for it to create itself, it would have to be and not be at the same time in the same relationship, which is a violation of law of non-contradiction, which you've already granted is one of our, our planks for understanding reality. Right. So. So whatever you say about self-creation, if, it, it doesn't work. So if I, if I crash my car mm-hmm. and a fire starts, is the fire self-created? No, this, the fire is, has the, uh, uh, the necessary conditions and sufficient conditions of um, a combustible material, oxygen, is something to to spark the fire. It's it's not self created. It's something that is a natural process that. Uh, which one of the uh, four? Which about. one of your Which one of your four would describe the fire? The the fire is not ultimate reality. We're not making that claim about fire. No, no, no. It's if just an accidental is, property to reality. Trey, you said if something exists. One of these four must be true. I'm asking which one of your four would describe the, the fire. four. Ultimately, the four was created by something that is self-existent. It has to. The, the, the dependent being cannot instantiate independently because it's dependent by definition. Okay, That's so which one definition. of the four? So which one of the four describes the fire? Ultimately, four. Number four, that it was created? By something that is self-existent. Okay. 
That's 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 actually the argument for the whole thing. Because all right, let's go to the third step. It says that which create that which exists is self-existent. Anything that is self-existent cannot be changing by definition, because anything that changes is dependent upon that which enacted it to a new state of being. Um, in other words, in Aristotelian sense, when something reduces from uh, potentiality to actuality, like I'm potentially bald, I'm almost there. All right. And so uh, there are many factors within my own body and even some external factors that affect that. And when something changes, it must be affected by something outside of itself that is already actual to bring it to this new state of being. Um, and uh, therefore, um, anything that changes cannot be self-existent. I am, you would agree that we're dependent beings, right? We're not self-existent. Sure, yeah. Yeah, it's because we were born, we're contingent. We, yeah. we, we did not make ourselves. Anything that changes is contingent upon whatever it is that brings it to its new state of being. Like, for example, I went from six foot threeness to six foot two-ness as I age. Um, and gravity is having its, its, its way with me in, in a very small sense and other things as well. So um, all existence that changes cannot be self-existent by definition. So it's contingent. And what I'm going to say is that contingent being cannot instantiate non-contingency. In other words, it cannot be uh, uh, dependent independently. That violates the law of identity. Dependent being is dependent being. But dependent being cannot create itself, and dependent being cannot be self-existent. Therefore, there must be something somewhere that has the attribute of self-existence that gives rise to dependent contingent existence. And I, I, di I disagree with that because of my fifth option that I brought up. So this is going to be... No. This is, going to, be a returning, this is going to be a returning problem for this discussion because when you when you point to a single thing and say, how did that come into existence? This universe, if you're pointing at this universe, it could have come into existence, created, so technically, partially, number four, it could have been created, but by something else that was self-existent, right? So right. that's, that's all I'm saying. Argument, if you're you're argument conceding is, the argument. If, no, I'm not. If your argument is God is self-existent and self-created or self-existent and therefore created the, and, and then created our universe, I could, I could posit the same concept and just say a, a, a universe was self-existent or pre-existing or created by some alien species and then exploded. And then that inanimate whatever is what created our universe. You haven't allocated for that or allowed for that in your four. And you also haven't really, um, I guess, factored in for the unknown, for mystery, for other causes other than God or a thinking, knowing being. Have you considered aliens? Have you considered aliens making a universe that expands and explodes, that creates a universe, and then that universe expands and explodes, that creates another universe, and 50 trillion years go by, and, you know, the 94th universe is the one that we're in that has been the result of multiple universes that were not created by an intelligent being were exploding. How does that fit into your, your theory or your hypothesis, I should say? Every one of your examples there, you're appealing to self-creation. No, I'm not. Where did the aliens come from? You, 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 you conceded at the beginning, and then you went back into the self-creation. Yeah, that's when, when I it, said this was a trap. This is exactly what I was talking about. I feel like you're there's one simple piece here that we're past that we're missing each other on, and I think for the sake of the viewer and the listener, 
we should probably try one more time and then just move on because us talking in circles isn't going to be entertaining for anyone. So the baseline here is I would grant you that in my um, analogy here, the first universe that the aliens created, yes, is definitely number four on your list. It was created. No, no. That which, that which is created is not self-existent. I didn't, say was, the, you're, I didn't say it was self-existent. You're not even understanding the argument. Trey, Trey, I didn't say it was self-existent. I said it was created. I said the aliens, aliens. The aliens. Okay. It's not that difficult. No, no, no. I, I, you're, you're, you're interrupting me and making it more difficult than it has to be. I apologize. If, if, the, if the whatever it was, let's say it aliens, let's say, let's say God exists and God created the aliens, or let's say, let's say the aliens are self-existent. Let's say the aliens are, are, are whatever you envision God being, the answer is that's really an alien, it's not God, okay? Mm-hmm. That alien God creates a universe. That universe is created. That's number four in your list, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Are we in agreement? Yep. And then that is a natural universe that is just going on about its business, the aliens have nothing to do with it anymore. They don't intervene. They don't mess with it. It goes about its business for roughly a billion years. And then that universe implodes on itself or explodes. It dies, like sucked into a black hole or some natural process happens that they originally created as a possibility. And then that, that explosion, that explosion creates universe B. That universe B is not self-created it is created no. by something else that was created by something else. And what I'm saying is, if we go down that line over and over and over and say this happened for billions upon trillions of years, and then the 1,000th universe just happens to be the one where we exist today, you can't look at this universe and say this universe was self-created. No, right. Okay. You, 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 you've granted my argument. Then you've just you've conceded the argument. <laughs> okay. I don't... I don't see you're saying, I you're saying there's two types of ontologies in the universe. There's self-existent and there's contingent existence. Now we know through modus ponens, we know that contingent existence because I, the inquirer, I know that I was born. I know that I'm dependent in my being. Therefore, um, if, if uh, A implies B and A is granted, which is contingent being, then it necessarily follows that a self-existent necessary being must exist. Now, we may differ on the name of what this ultimate reality is, but you're conceding the argument. At least you did for a moment there. I don't know if you're going to stick with it. All you have is irrationality or concession so far. <laughs> and all you have is arrogance and... Uh, uh, I'm not, I'm not meaning to be proud. Proven. I'm just... I'm, sure. I'm no, very that's all you're doing. I gotta, things got to make sense for me. Yeah, like, well, I don't care about emotional arguments or people not liking things. I want you to tell me the insane. problem with the argument. Same. No, I mean, when we came here to discuss if Christianity is true... And I, I want to know, for the sake of the people who tuned in and clicked the link, how you're going to get from this self-creation to Jesus dying, raising from the dead, and floating to an invisible heaven. I need you to make, okay. make it make sense for the viewers. because Yeah, well, we've gotta, we can't have a word of God unless there's a God to begin with. So do you concede that God exists? No. Okay, tell me what's wrong with my argument. I already have, and you don't accept it. So I don't know what No, you didn't. You conceded the argument. You okay. said that there's some God who made... The aliens who made the universe, that made the universe, which really, it doesn't matter how many times you do it. It doesn't, the number of creations doesn't matter. Number of iterations of universes doesn't matter as long as there is beginning with a self-existent being. So you're, you're taking the properties of the first thing that you're saying created it and applying it to everything that comes after that? 
No, I'm just distinguishing. That's the problem. You're trying to, you know, mash them all together. You can't do that. You got to keep. I'm them saying for the sake. I'm, well, we didn't come here to to have um, a, a deistic argument. We came here for you to prove Christianity is true. And so, do you far, concede deism? N- no, I don't. For my own. Okay, this is the problem. Point. I right? gave you an analytical argument, and you don't like it. So you're telling me it's not good enough, it's but I need you to demonstrate it. what's wrong with the argument. Trey, I did, and you're not accepting it. I think we need to move what is on. It? What? Move on and prove how Christianity is true. Because I, How do I move on when you won't grant the analytical certainty of the foundation of my argument? Because it doesn't have analytical certainty. You're missing a piece, and you won't acknowledge Tell me the piece. piece. Tell I me. Already what, have, the fifth option. No, I you already have. You have it. You conceded the argument, David. All right, this I might, did not. This might be I've a good added time a fifth to, option. Uh, this conversation is getting pointless if you won't talk about the topic we came here to talk about. This is the topic. This is the fundamental part of the topic. You just can't refute it, so you want to change the subject. No, no, I've already refuted it. Number one, number two. What did you? How did God, you refute it? God could exist. God could exist, and Islam could be true. God could exist, and Hinduism could be true. God could exist. Okay, so you can you can see so, that God must exist, there, though, right? right? No. Yes, I said he could. Okay, so uh, yeah, well, I was just saying, just uh, just to let uh, David wrap up his point there. So uh, I, I think uh, it would probably would be a good time. Uh, we have been talking for what, like twenty five minutes about uh, for the open discussion so far. Uh, so we're gonna keep going for probably another twenty five minutes, but it would be a good idea to shift the topic uh, and maybe talk about uh, maybe the Bible or if you've got criticisms for that, David, that might be something a little bit more relevant to the actual topic here as far as like the title we have but i do understand uh you know where where this argument is kind of coming around to but i think we've hashed this part of it out so uh let's try to move into uh into some of those uh those other parts of the discussion if you guys don't mind yeah no i i I, I agree yeah i mean i don't i I don't understand how we're going to move on when i've made an argument david won't rebut it and it just says, let's talk about something else. I how, how, do, how does that work? I, I don't did. understand. When you have a debate, somebody gives an gives it makes it makes an argument. The opponent right. is is their job is either refute the the point or to concede the point, and not to say mystery or oh, we don't know or anything. I, saying I don't know is a concession, right? No, it's I not. gave you an analytical argument, David. It was compelling, and uh, uh, it was it was right. mathematical in nature, and you didn't refute it. And you just have an emotional uh, aversion to it and then say, well, let's not talk about this anymore. Okay, Trey. Um, I'm glad you're... A I'm a very analytical guy. I'm glad I, you're it's a like fan. hard for me just Listen, to... I'm glad, things. I'm glad you're a fan of your own work. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to say that I'm smart. I'm just saying I just, the argument itself has not been addressed. It, it has. In a rebuttal form. It has in a way that you disagree with, which makes sense because we're here from two different sides of this argument. Our primary but it's job. It's got to be reasonable. You want to lay out the, you know, what's supposed to happen in a debate. You want to lay out. You you make of this, and I do this, and you want to lay that out. You, you forgot step one, which is stay on topic. You came here to say why Christianity is true. We are a half an hour into this. You have yet to make an argument for Christianity. Please take your time. To I am so. beginning with the premise: that Christianity is true. Please if you have no time. God, you have no word of revelation. And you can't remember about the argument, so you want to change the subject. All right. So you're telling me you said you want a spicy 
a spicy well, conversation. Well, of okay. course, we like having I told him I like spicy, spicy conversations. conversations. But um, yeah. it, it is expected uh, in this type of format of debate that, you know, you're going to disagree with each other uh, sometimes on the fundamental points. Um, and it's fine to move into another aspect of the conversation uh, since, like I said, I think we have hammered this point and, and we know where, where the disagreements lie at this point. If, you know... Uh, I don't think, like I said, we're going to get too much more out of that part of the discussion. So if we could move into something oh. more about uh, scriptural base um, or even oh. other types of arguments. Trey, um, let me say one thing to Trey really quickly. Sure. I don't have to concede, agree with, or refute your first point for you to move on. So please just tell me the evidence you have for specifically Christianity being true. I don't have to. I don't have to agree that a God exists in order to move on for the next phase of the argument. I'm excited to talk about Christianity specifically. Okay. All right. Well, let's. We'll, we'll go ahead and do that. So, um, we'll just mark it for the record that you cannot rebut the argument, and you just want to move on. So, for the sake of argument, not. I'm not going to accept that. I did refute it. You're not accepting it. What Please was the refutation? Christianity. Please. Please. That's what people came here to see, Trey. Okay, there must be. A, do you agree that there must be a God in order for it to be a re revealed Word of God? Um, so let me answer with a caveat. Technically, if I'm taking your words at face value, yes, but I think that people can believe they have received a revealed Word of God without that God actually existing. I'm not talking about epistemology. I'm talking about ontology. I'm talking about being. I'm not. Uh, this is a this is a big thing we have in our, you know, during the Enlightenment there was this big shift, and this is the problem. And what people tend to do is they'll take Christianity and they'll put that up here. They'll talk about fact, value, morals. It's like the the upper ethereal form, and you've got facts like science down here. And this was because of Immanuel Kant, Kant's uh, transcendental idealism. And basically, what he said is that. Um, you can't experience God with your senses, therefore you got to take it by faith. And that's kind of what I think you're alluding to in your statement there. I'm not talking about what people feel about God, because who cares about that, really? What matters is what is objectively, demonstrably true in reality. Because if I really want there to be a God, and I really try really hard, and he's not there, is that going to bring him into existence? No, but you could, you could believe he exists without him existing. That's right. And, is, and you it, could even is, be, is it good to believe in things that are not true? Uh, I don't think so in most cases. Um, sometimes I think it can be beneficial, but I think that's a rabbit hole. Like what? In, in most cases. Well, I mean, believing that you're capable of doing uh, something that you can't do, but along the journey you accomplish other things you never thought were possible. No, but um, to purposely obscure reality is not a good thing. I, I, would, agree. I, would, I would agree with that in, in most cases, to purposely. Okay, so... So if I want to believe that there's a God and, and, and my belief has nothing to do whether it exists or not. And if you as an atheist want to say that there is no God, your denial means nothing about reality. Would you agree with that? Um, well, I don't necessarily make that claim uh, of a denial. I, I, I make the claim that there's lacking sufficient evidence for my belief. Um, right. But my but your belief has my, no effect my, on reality, right? My, my stronger point is that... I, I, I think someone can honestly believe and feel in their heart that they are getting revelation from God and write right. that word down 
fully believing that it is from a God when in fact it is not. That's right. So then as that comes into a document and it's called the revealed word of God, yes, that could exist without a God existing, but a real revealed word of God could not exist without a God. So as long as you're okay with that. Right. Right. And so that's why I say it's imperative that we establish that there is an analytical certainty of a God in order to exist, in order for him to give revelation. And if you're going to say as an atheist, you not have enough evidence. And if I give you not evidence, but I give you proof of it and you cannot rebut it then all you're doing is obfuscating the argument rather than going where it leads. I think we need to follow the facts wherever they go, no matter what. So your evidence for Christianity is? That there is a creator who has given us revelation of himself through the specific claims of Christianity. Okay, and, and how do you factor for the revelation of claims from the creator in the Quran? Well, from the, from the scriptural perspective, there were miracles in the Bible to verify the word of the prophet. What miracles did Muhammad do? There we go. Okay, fine. So miracles is is your is is that the no, no. I'm I'm talking about miracles is not how I know that my Christianity is true. I know Christianity is true because there is a Creator who is moral, who is personal, who has given us His word, a specific that can give us salvation. So the first, the first category of analytical certainty can't give you salvation. All it can give you is damnation. In other words, that there's a moral law, that there's a, a creator, and that we suppress the knowledge of that God. That's what it can do. It cannot give you salvation. But when you talk about miracles, that's talking about the specific claims of Christianity for salvation, for redemption from sin. Okay. So, I mean, the so the, the, you think... Let me let me ask this: is, is, Do you believe it's possible for both Christianity and Islam to be true? Do you think multiple gods could exist? Okay, if if Islam and Christianity have mutually contradictory claims, can they both be true? Remember, law of non-contradiction. Right. They so can't. That, right. Right. They cannot. All right. So they could both be wrong, but they both can't be right because they have fundamental differences. Say, for example, on the nature of God that are, are utterly uh, incongruous and therefore cannot be true. So it's possible that they, they, they could both be wrong, but they both can't be true. Okay. So Judaism, also wrong? Um, insofar as Judaism, now, uh, because my tradition is a Judeo-Christian tradition, so we believe in a continuum of Judaism, is there's no contradiction in that insofar as um Christianity is just a fulfillment of the promises of Judaism in the Old Testament, which, you know, the, the God's revelation always comes centered around Christ, the Messiah. Okay. okay, so so of of the roughly 8 billion people on the planet, I believe roughly 2 billion are Christians. What is your, because of time constraints and everything else, what is your best evidence? Not that you know or you've experienced. What is your best evidence you can put forth that Christianity is the true one and the others are not. Okay. Well, there, there are several uh, lines of, of uh, evidence that I would point to. But firstly, um, the one thing that I know for analytical certainty is that, that I have a creator and then that there is a moral law. There, there, we have this sense within us that there's a certain way that we should look. And okay. it's always going to center around the sanctity of existence. All right. Okay. Everybody yep. agrees with that. You would agree with that. 
that, that well, there is a moral code that says that we are supposed to value existence. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, not necessarily a code, but a, a general understanding. Sure. So, so, and that's a that's a great point. I, I agree with you. That's there. the other part of the analytical argument. So, so that's I agree with that. So, let's talk about that basis of morality. Mm-hmm. And and according to Rappaport's rules, let me state this position to see if you agree with it. Okay. God exists. Who are Rappaport's rules? Is that Andrew Rappaport? Uh, no, it's, it comes from a. Um, it may be Andrew. It may maybe. Um, it comes from a Dan Dennett book uh, where he talks about a list of rules that you should do to oh, okay. debate. And and one primary rule of Rappaport's rules is to be able to state someone's argument back to them in a way that they go, "I should have said it that way," right? Oh, like steel manning an argument, yeah. Yes, so clear that you're like, yes, okay. So um, tell me if I'm wrong here. You believe mm-hmm. that God exists, the God of the Bible exists, important caveat there, the God of the Bible exists, he is the source of morality, he created us with a moral code, and that's where we got morals from. Do you agree with all of that? Um. That's where we got morals from. I think so. I'm not sure exactly what you mean for that. We have it. We have a moral instinct. Yeah. From him. From him. Right. So he yeah. created us, created the morals. Okay. And we use those morals by which to judge other things. John seven twenty four, pass righteous judgment. That would be according to our morals. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Passing righteous judgment means doing what's right, doing what's not right things that are in accordance with God, that are good, that are love, that are peace, right? And then mm-hmm. when someone is acting in a way that is not that, we, according to John seven twenty four, we don't judge by appearances alone, right? But by the behaviors, by the heart, by the insides, right? Because we have that moral code that is given to us allegedly by the God of the Bible. So my mm-hmm. question is, if God gave us these morals and gave us the ability to pass righteous judgment based off of our morals, mm-hmm. what are we then supposed to do when God, that same God, behaves in ways that are directly conflicting with the morals he gave us by which to judge good and bad? Okay, well, you need to back up. Why are you complaining? What are you talking about? You're, you're acting as if there's a problem, a moral problem within Christianity. You've already conceded that there's a moral law, okay. and yet you won't acknowledge a moral lawgiver. I didn't, I didn't concede a moral law. I said a general understanding, because law implies a written word from a... Okay, let me, let me not, put it in philosophical. I dragged this back into the weeds again, Trey. I was very specific with my question. What do we do as Christians? Well, you're trying to skip over the fundamental part. That's the Trey, problem. you're deflecting the question. As I, I'm deflecting? As oh, please. Yet, I asked you a question and you answered with a question. Why do you have a problem? What's your problem? Like, I'm asking you specifically. In order for you as to say Christians, that God is immoral, how do you judge him? <laughs> he did. You want to know how I judge God, Trey? Is God good? What do you mean by good? I'm asking you. Is God good? You're the. I need to have clarification of your terms and your questions. Whatever you think is good, is God good? Well, yes. So what I think, yes. Congratulations, you just judged God. And you know what? No, you no. judged God. You judged God according to the morals He gave you. That's your. You 
do pass righteous judgment by saying God is righteous. That is a judgment call. Not all judgments are guilty. You, you just judged God. So if I have more, I'm a Christian, David. I know. If I have more, you're not a Christian. I was, and when you don't I, believe in God, though, yeah, but you don't it, believe in God. So what matter. basis are you complaining? Matter. When I was a Christian, when I was a Christian, mm -hmm. my I didn't come out of the womb as an atheist and start having these long debates just with my ears closed. I, I've been studying this for many, many years. I've had many, many conversations, and I started my journey as a believer. It took me 14 years through my journey to say I no longer believe. And throughout that journey, the one thing that kept coming back was God gave me this moral code. According to Hebrews 8, he wrote his law on my hearts that tells me that when I open a door for someone, I'm praising God. When I help someone with their groceries, I'm praising God. I'm loving my fellow neighbor. I'm loving my fellow humanity. This is from God when I was a believer. And then I would read the stories in the Bible of God acting horrifically toward humanity, making a man's bowels fall out of him, having a man killed, saying if people are gay, they should be stoned to death, just line after line after line, condoning slavery, kill the Amalekites and, and nursing infants. As a believer, Trey, I'm going, why would God give me this moral code Tell me to pass righteous judgment on those that violate that code. Also tell me that he himself is good and then repeatedly violate that moral code he gave me to judge others. What am I supposed to do with that as a Christian? Okay. Do, let me try to explain this a way that you haven't thought about this, obviously, in your, in your inquiry on this. You believe that existence is special, right? Everything that you just complained about, you are assuming that existence is special. Trey, it it seems to me that your your strategy for this is to respond with an assumption, an insult. No, no, you have an assumption that you haven't thought about. You, I'm trying to get you. You're to look making. At it. I asked you a very direct question. You make an assumption, and I'm about, saying you are overlooking a fundamental you're making an assumption issue about in me. your complaint. Let's you can't answer it. it. You follow it with an insult, and then you deflect uh, and ask I'm, another question. I have not insulted you, my friend. You're, I have not, not insulted you. You're, you're, this you're doing is, ad hominem attack is what you're doing. You just did that you to me. You cannot answer the question. You're deflecting. You're projecting. This is not a productive conversation. <laughs> I asked you a very specific question, Trey. What do Christians, good, moral, loving Christians do when their moral code given to them by God is violated by the God that they worship as good. How do you deal with that cognitive dissonance? I want you to justify your complaint. You have no reason. You, you, you believe that existence is special. Do you, do you? Tell me yes or no. You're assuming my position in order to criticize it. Everyone is watching what you're doing right now, Trey. You're avoiding the question. Everybody's watching me. I'm telling you as a believer... When I was a believer, there I don't are care many, about that. I'm talking there about are many today. Trey, do you there, believe existence Trey, matters? Let's answer let, the question. Let's let Trey, there are Christians. There are, you can ask there are Christians watching. There are Christians watching you right now, Trey. They're watching you. They are in a position right now where they have a moral code. They believe that code is from God. They flip through the Bible, and they see God their source for morality that they look up to and worship 
violating the moral code he wrote on their hearts while at the same time saying he is good. That causes Christians to struggle. It causes Christians to lose sleep at night. I was one of them. For those Christians watching right now, what do you say to them? What do they do when the God they worship violates the moral code he gave them? Okay. You're not going to go there, so we'll go ahead and skip over the second point that you can't answer, so you want to jump over it, and we'll talk about that. What more, what more law do you have an offense, that are you offended that God breaks that you think is so holy? Okay. Let me just tell you a quick side note, Trey. Um, over the 13 years that I've had my podcast, I've had Christians on long debates, sometimes three, four hours. I'd get a handful of emails every single month, sometimes 20, sometimes three. Throughout the years, the number one most common email I've gotten is, David, you posed a question I've always thought of and always struggled with, and the guest on your show had an unsatisfactory answer and avoided the question. That's making me go back and rethink my position. I'm not sure I'm a Christian anymore. So I just want you to know you sidestepping these things is not doing a service for your faith. I promise you. Well, thanks for the Dunning-Kruger, my friend. And there's the ad hominem. And, and I'm asking you uh, to justify your perspective, but I'm willing to go on. Let's let's go ahead and move along. You, you cannot give a justification for complaining, but we'll go ahead. Give me an example of a biblical mandate that God contradicts. Um. Um, when, uh, Psalms 121.7, God says, uh, at least the song says that God has said, I will keep you from all harm. I will keep you safe. Yet he condoned slavery in Exodus and allowed slaves to be passed down to the children because they are property. This was not indentured servitude. He condoned slavery. So how do you reconcile a God loving all of humanity and B God condoning the owning of human beings. Are you saying that God loves all men equally? I, I believe that as a Christian. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. So some people deserve slavery. Uh, no, I think that um, the, the, are you talking about, uh, can you give me a specific instance? Are you talking about him be, them being able to hold slaves of people of the nations around them and to keep them as property? That's one piece of it, sure. The uh, okay. Well, let's the let's take them one at a time. That, that says you can beat your slave as much as you want, as long as yeah. he doesn't die within two days, then you're fine because he's your property. You can do what you. One, he's, that's God literally condoning the beating of a slave. How how right. do you how do you um, reconcile that with God loving humanity? Okay, well, the being able to beat your slave is something that fall, would fall under the indentured servitude, as well as the slaves that are uh, taken from the nations around them. Okay, so why would he allow? slaves to be taken from the nations around them if he loves humanity those nations are a part of humanity and in fact no. this is exactly what i'm talking about well, if you or i were to go do that we would judge that as negative today we would say you can't go take slaves and beat them and drive in a why why would we say that 
Well, it's it's is, does existence well, matter, David? Um, I mean, I suppose that's relative. It it does to us now. It that's may, what I've been asking. It may not someday. It's a relative question. That's why it's not a it's simple yes or no. No, existence always matters. That's why you're complaining. Yeah. You know that. Well, it's not just does your life matter, David. It's not. It's not existence. It's it's um, it's quality of life it's happiness that's it's what i mean it's, it's a sanctity connection. of existence it's not just being able to live well, per perpetually it's to have fullness of life no, well no because because if, if i were diagnosed with some terrible um terminal illness that was going to be extremely painful i would rather not exist than to suffer in existence through the pain so i, I can't just say the existence is the, the stronghold it's the quality that is okay. the stronghold first that's exactly right and if god, i agree with if you god okay so if god loves humanity and we are all God's children, including those nations around the, the the people who were told you could capture these people and beat them and pass them down to your family. How do you reconcile as a Christian, given moral code by God, you would judge me if I went and did that. I would judge you if you did that. Why do you still worship God when he condoned slavery and the taking of people from those other nations? How do you how do you make that fit? You love Pol Pot? Answer the question. You said that we're Trey, supposed to love everybody. The Trey, same. they came here for a discussion, man. I, I It's too much for you. Answering questions with other questions, and, and you're just, you seem like you don't want to talk about this. I, it seems the to me that you have I, I literally, I got a whole piece of paper here ready to write down all of your evidence for Christianity. I have one word here, and it's morals. That's where we've gotten in almost an hour. Well, no, you wrote down four things that you couldn't rebut. Then you no. could not give a justification. Those for weren't arguments. And now you're trying to change the subject. Those weren't arguments for Christianity. And I even went there. Trey, those weren't arguments for Christianity. They I are cards of the Christianity. There's not. no Christianity without a God, without a moral law. Okay, but Christianity but Trey, is a reconciliation of a broken moral law. But Trey, those arguments could also be the beginning of Islam. They could be the beginning of Judaism okay. or Hinduism. So you grant the arguments then. I They're don't compelling, grant right? Them. I don't grant them. I'm saying those <laughs> are not exclusive. It's all about gaming. Trey, I'm saying those are not arguments exclusive to Christianity, okay? But do you so grant that they the are only, compelling? The only argument you gave okay. for Christianity throughout this debate is morals. And when I ask you directly, how do you reconcile God giving moral code and then violating that code? And while he's allegedly good, you can't answer the question. You keep do, reflecting. Do you do have you love that Pol question? Pot. I am rebutting your answer that God loves everyone and he should love everyone. Do you love Pol Pot? Oh, I mean, if you guys want to reschedule me when someone wants to have a conversation, I'm happy to come back on. All right. Um, yeah, if uh, if we have no other parts of this discussion to move into, we can jump into our Q and A. Uh, so, uh, just want to remind the live chat to keep your questions friendly in the old Q and A, uh, <laughs> and to keep them coming in because uh, uh, there's definitely more. I think we can go over here in this discussion, and uh, you know, hopefully, if we have the time. How are you doing there uh, for time, David? I'm okay. I, we're we're doing all right. the The comedy show's not for a couple hours, so I'm good. Awesome. And how are you doing for time, Trey? I am fine. Whatever you need, I'm here. All right. Excellent. Let's move into it. Oh, Flamio, I see you in the live chat. $5 he put in there earlier to ask you guys a question. Thank you so much. Trey, who created God and why does God need money? 
is this supposed to be like a George Carlin thing? Needs money. <laughs> was I supposed to say it with that voice? I'm sorry. Yeah, I think it's much better when you do it that way. <laughs> it's a. Uh, all right. So, who created God? This is a uh, a common uh, argument from started with uh, in modern history with John Stuart Mill and was picked up by Bertrand Russell. Um, which in in Bertrand Russell's "Why I'm Not a Christian," he he outlined that and basically said, um, if everything needs a cause, then what caused God? And Bertrand Russell was a genius uh, uh, when it comes to mathematics, but when it comes to causality, he completely misses the point for the principle of causality. Causality doesn't say everything needs a cause. It says every effect must have a cause. So uh, uh, if you're saying what caused God, then similar to what David was saying at the beginning, uh, that the aliens created themselves and then they created the universe, you're not answering the question at all. There must be something that is necessary in being, philosophical term necessary, in order for there to be contingent being. So if something created God, if God is changing, then God is not God. He is yet another creature. Everything must go back to an ontologically necessary, unchanging uh, a being uh, that is not subject to change. So when God, you say God doesn't change, you mean at all his opinions, his emotions, his thoughts? Yeah. So when God said that uh, he wants gay people to be killed in Leviticus 2013, do you, does that follow that God still wants gay people to be killed today? Um, well, no. I, okay, so when you are talking about uh, the, the law of the Old Testament, it's going to be uh, broken into three categories. You've got moral law, you've got civil law, and you've got ceremonial law. Okay. And yeah. so in that law, you have like um, the, the animal sacrifices. Those are the ceremonial laws, which were uh, done away with because Christ fulfilled them. They were shadows that pointed to Christ dying for our sins. So obviously we're not sacrificing animals anymore. So the, the ceremonial law, but then you've got civil law, which is law under a theocracy, which God made as a special people for a specific time uh, showing uh, the lex talionis, the, the the harshness of the law, if we are to look at it without any grace. And so um, I do not believe that, uh, you know, homosexuals should be stoned or adulterers should be stoned. But I do think that it is morally evil and a society should not uh, uh, condone or bless those uh, uh, sexually uh, perverted, uh, uh, go, which go against God's natural order. So, so, God, so, so we're God not under still... the civil law, so we're not a theocracy. Okay, so just last follow-up. So God still believes all gay people are uh, morally detested. Uh, well, no, needing no, judgment. The, 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 well, let me let me finish. The Apostle Paul is real clear about that. The, the words are uh, that they are detestable. They have committed an abomination, and that they are, shall be put to death. So you it's think not what? It's toeva. It's like to be condemned. The the sin of homosexuality. Okay. So, so all of those are still true, except the actual act of humans killing the gay people. That part we shouldn't do anymore. God no longer wants that. But he doesn't change. Malachi 3, 6, I, the Lord, do not change. No. I get it. I agree with you. He doesn't change. That means he still wants them to die today, but he just... No. He wants them to repent and come to Christ. That's what we see Apostle Paul saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Right, but if they don't, then he... And 6. He wanted, at one point, he ordered them to be killed. Yes under a theocracy, under the dispensation of the law where God is showing his holiness and our inability to keep his law. And at you that think time, that, yes, it was. And you, and you worship that God as the God we got our morals from, the God who ordered gay people to be killed? Yes. What about pedophiles? No I'm not saying gay people are pedophiles. I'm just asking you. Can you no be consistent? No further questions, here? Your Honor. No further yeah. questions. That's all.
No, no, no. I think I think pedophiles should be locked up. I wouldn't. Why? Yeah, because they're sex a danger. some kind of holy act or something. Because they're a danger to children. Do you think sex is a holy act? No. Okay. Why are you so offended when somebody uh, 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 engages sex sexually with, with a child? child? Mm-hmm. Because of consent. And the child agrees. Because of consent. The act is not holy, informed, remember. Informed consent. I mean, you, the, you, the you child realize, Trey, Trey in, in your position, you. I just want to take a step back from a bird's eye view. In order to defend the Bible and God and Christianity, you have to make arguments that are in support of slavery, of pedophilia, of these things that our society deems horrific and detestable that we would never in a million Why? years condone but because your god didn't we have to worry about that and now you have i don't to know where the it. bible condones pedophilia but but why are you complaining again you're 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 trying to steal from my perspective in order to refute me i don't i don't need your perspective to recognize uh harm from for for children or so harm is sinful from your perspective well, no, 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 Trey. If you'd like to do a show where we talk strictly about moral arguments, I'm, I'm an atheist. That's what we're here for, my friend. Go ahead and no, answer. We me. weren't. No, we weren't. We were here for you to prove Christianity to be true. We're, if you we're doing Q and A right now, if my friend. Like, if you'd like to do uh, a show based on morality, it's something that I, it's I actually do acknowledge some objective moral truths as a as a non-believer. I have some basis for that. How it, do you justify that? It involves. I mean, again, it, it involves. It's not that hard a question, my friend. Well, I mean, it, it's a longer discussion, but you can't do the it. Short version. That's what I'm talking about. The arrogance. I was about to, and you're telling me I can't, and you keep telling me what I think no, and what I want, okay. and what I'm unable to do. That's the arrogance and attitude. Because you that. have been obfuscating for 30 minutes, my friend. No, I believe that's you, my friend. I believe that's you. But I'll give you the short answer for this. Um, our ability to recognize basic harm coupled with the lack of justification, coupled with, as a mechanism, um, John Rawls' veil of ignorance. Those things are how I can build a secular argument for objective moral truths. I think we have other so, questions. From more people so existence is objectively, existence is, is objectively special then, in your view? I've already, I've already acknowledged You're assuming that. that, and you haven't even thought about it. See, you're telling me what I've thought. You, you, you don't think it's a, you don't think it's arrogance. To you just told me that. Me. You just told Trey, me existence is special, but you won't answer the question. Trey, you're telling me what I have not thought of. Where do you get the arrogance to assume you know what's in my mind? I'm all I'm judging is what you're saying. No, do you think you're existence making an is assumption special? on my thought. You're telling me because you're not satisfied with my answer that you know my thoughts. I'm telling you, dude. Okay. That's coming off as arrogance to people watching. Okay. And you're you won't tell me whether you off. think existence is I promise is you, you're turning Christians off. Okay. Um, maybe we can go to the next question. All right. Please. Let's continue on. Uh, lots of thoughts there on the, that, that one question alone. So uh, this is going to be a fun Q&A, everybody. So get your questions <laughs> in there, and uh, we're going to keep it rolling. Uh, and once again, thanks, David and Trey, for being here. Uh, you know, keep your uh, chats friendly in the <laughs> live stream there. Bugmaster, $10. Thank you so much for your super chat. I think both of you are off base. Ooh, he's coming at both of you. Cause and effect is just a model, like up and down. It's not a fundamental ontological thing. It's just a useful, yet a priori, pr- priori? Yeah, flawed. A priori. 
Yeah, I yeah, sorry. <laughs> idea humans came up with. No, it's not. It's just an application of law of non-contradiction, really. It's analytically true. The only way that you can describe a cause is to invoke the reality of effect. The only way you can describe effect is to uh, invoke the idea of cause. So it's analytically true. It's like two plus two is four. The only way you can define it is by using the other term. Therefore, it is true by definition. It's not a construct. It's just a reality, just like the laws of logic of our of our world in which we live. Any thoughts on that, David? No, I don't care. Alrighty. Uh, hates stairs. All right, take the elevator. $5. The massive issue with your argument is assuming there was a beginning. If the universe has infinitely existed, point me towards the beginning. Okay, well, again, that's just uh, exacerbating the problem to infinity. If you're saying that, that the universe is an eternal regress of dependent being, then it would have to be dependent independently, thereby violating the law of identity. That's not a that's not a viable option. Turtles all the way down doesn't work. Any thoughts, David? It also has nothing to do with Christianity. All right, let's continue it on. Um, yeah, you guys, if you got some questions there related to the uh, topic as well, um, you know, I got lots of different questions here. But if I have any specifically related to Christianity, get them in the super chats because we're getting uh, close to wrapping up here. Maybe a little bit early uh, if we don't get any uh, any more super chats in the uh, live. What chat. are what, what are some of the questions that aren't about Christianity? Are they are they about the his first cause arguments? Uh, you know, cosmological. Is it about? Well, I'll, I'll or they just, just uh, want to know like. They just want to know whether or not I wear underwear. Like, what are their questions about? Well, uh, yeah, I was going to say, uh, we'll just, uh, we'll keep moving through because there's not too many right yet. Uh, so, you know, if some more come in, then yeah, the, they might change. But uh, as for now, uh, we've only got three more questions to go through. So Bugmaster for $5. On morality, we don't need to have any particular moral code to notice that God commands A then does not a doesn't matter if we like a or not that's a great okay. point is yeah. is contradiction a symbol then i guess the question trey is does it matter to you at all that god gives the laws and then doesn't follow them uh, he doesn't follow them inconsistently though I mean, in other words, there's no contradiction in, in the, this is why I asked you if you like Pol Pot, because you're upset because God doesn't love everybody equally. Well, he doesn't love everyone equally. You don't love everyone equally. You believe in a sense of justice that those that do not sanctify existence, in fact, those that destroy existence, are worthy of condemnation. And so does God. So it's not just about love. You're right. I don't love everyone equally, but I... Um, if, if God appeared to me and told me to go kill an infant, I would not do that. I would defy God to not, to not hurt that infant. Why? Is that infant special? Um, more special than a God who has condoned slavery and told people to kill okay. people. Okay, now I'm asking you why. If that God exists, for a long time. Let, me, let me now step in to say, let's... Let's now, for the sake of argument, presume that that God exists. I, I could not, because of my morals, I could not worship a deity that seemingly has a lower morality than I do. I would not harm those kids. I would not 
stomp out the Amalekites. I would not kill nursing infants. I wouldn't. I wouldn't kill gay people just because God says they're an abomination. I would not do that to humanity. My love for humanity is what drove me away from Christianity. I think it's very difficult to be a good person and be good at Christianity. I think you have to pick and choose and break away from Christianity in order to embrace humanity and love one another. That's what I'm saying. I could not, even if I knew God existed, I could not bow to him and say I worship him truthfully, knowing what he has condoned, if the Bible is actually true. He has been abhorrent to humanity, and I love humanity too much to support love or worship something that has treated us like garbage. Okay, so you're saying that God does not sanctify existence as much as you, therefore he is not worthy of worship. Um, I'm saying God is, is held to a different standard because of his power. Because of Do you his, have a standard? Because of his power and because of his not. I'm saying his own standard. Because of his power and because of his knowledge. I'm talking about your standard. And I, Well, yeah, I mean, my standard would be harm. And I know that comes okay. with thousands. So existence is objectively valuable, huh? Um, well, harm isn't always tied to existence, Trey. I mean, I'm, when I say existence, I'm not talking about dying. I, I mentioned this before. It's fullness of life. It's happiness. It's joy. It's, it's, it's flourishing. Okay. Flourishing that, that, yeah, I'll go with flourishing, not existence. That's, that's okay. I, I can, I can agree with that. Yeah. And, and flourishing is necessarily tied to the sanctity of existence. Do you think existence is holy? Not holy. No. Special. Valuable, objectively valuable. Valuable, yes, I would say valuable. Okay, so not, it's an so objective fact. It's not your mere opinion. It is true that it is valuable. It is to be set apart as being special. Well, I, I think that um, animals uh, know this. Animals take care of one another. I'm sure you're familiar. That's with, right. I'm sure you're familiar with kin selection and. You know, prairie dogs and white-tailed deer, you know, giving warnings to other family members that are predators mm -hmm. close by. I mean, we, we've sort of evolved to have, not sort of, we've evolved to have compassion and love for creatures like ourselves and, and beyond our species. Um, there's, a, there's countless videos on YouTube of a bear saving a bird from drowning or um, a hippo saving a deer from a crocodile. Um, these things uh, are innately within the animal kingdom of which we are a part. And um, I think reducing harm is something that's just generally in beings that are alive for the most part, unless there's something wrong uh, or, or ex you know, experiences the way the, the creature was nurtured, things like that could obviously change that. But for the most part, I think we all recognize value in not being harmed. So I would hold that to a higher standard than taking an order from a god, a leader, a president, whomever, who had ordered things in the past that I also find abhorrent. So if you've ordered people to kill gays and kill infants that are nursing because you don't want them to grow up and have different beliefs or whatever, being the Amalekites, and you've ordered a man's bowels to fall out of him and, and ordered a man to be killed for picking up sticks on the Sabbath when he should have been honoring your name, when you've ordered those types of things and then you appear before me and tell me to kill a child, you can kick rocks. I don't care what happens to me. I'm not going to bow to a tyrant like that. Okay, so you would say that all sentient creatures are determined to value existence. 
No, some people commit suicide. Yeah, but you just said they're broken if they don't value existence. You said that earlier. I say they're broken. I mean, there, there could be things that are There's wrong. There's something wrong. If somebody it's, wants to commit suicide, what do you do? You I, say, I think yeah, it's go a, ahead, or you say, no, I can help you. Yeah, I would try to help. I mean, I think I just think that the way they're broken. I think it's an oversimplification. I wouldn't call them broken. Okay, give me the nuance. I just don't think needing help is. I don't think needing help is equal to broken. Broken implies. Um, you know, uh, we're all broken in some way. I'm not saying it as a pejorative necessarily. I'm just saying it's a, it's a feature that all of us have things that go wrong with this. My hair fell out. It's not supposed to fall out. I wish it would not fall out. It is. It is supposed to fall out, actually. Um, in, a, in a perfect world, I would prefer like I'm going to die someday. My uh, my um, uh, I have illnesses all the time. I, all of us are broken in some way. We're not we're not we know that we're not oriented toward perfection to err as human would you agree with that yeah we just disagree that to to err is also broken i feel like broken just has a finality to it or irreparability to it if you will i don't yeah i don't mean to say that okay because that's why if somebody's if somebody's committing wants to commit suicide they're broken the whole purpose is to remedy them and say no it's not that bad let me give you hope let me help you okay it's just a sign of something of, entro- of moral entropy, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and my, my whole point in that was, to me, if God gave us morals, why does he tell us he's good and then act in ways that are directly opposite to that moral behavior? As Bug Master yeah, I, said, I, I, don't, I don't see that. It, it, it doesn't matter the... It's, it, to, me, it's, it, to me, it's special pleading. It's a special p- pleading fallacy to say... Um, God orders this as a good thing, and then when God does the opposite of that, we say, well, now it's good because God said. It's, it's, it's actually subjective morality. I, I would say my, obje- my morality is more objective because I would hold you to the same standard I would hold God to if Jesus— Okay, then what's, the, tried to what's kidnap- the source of your, your moral code? You're, you're some written law somewhere? Well, no, it's the, it's the, the uh, facts of reality and ability to recognize under right. harm. And so if Jesus were to appear, and I knew it was Jesus, let's uh, uh, sidestep the fact that there could be illusions and whatever. Sure. Let's actually say that it's the real Jesus, and then he's, I see him kidnapping a child. My moral code says, stop jesus from kidnapping the child your moral code would say whatever god does is good jesus is god therefore this kidnapping is good i i would say it's more objective from my perspective i would hold jesus to the same standard i would hold you to your moral code is subjective because it's subjected to whatever god feels in that moment if god says god doesn't change remember if god says do not kill anyone do not murder okay you say okay murder bad not gonna do it and then god says uh, except that guy, I want you to kill him. Because God said it, it's now no longer illegal because God is the lawgiver. So now you get to go kill someone based off of God's rule because it's not murder anymore. It's a killing. So I would tell God, no thanks. Do your own dirty work. I'm not going to go kill a person for you, whether okay. it's murder or not. I, I would reject that, and you would have to accept it because now that killing is good. You have to acknowledge that whatever God says to do becomes good because he's god that is subjective that is subjective based on god's whim of that moment i would hold god to the same standard i would hold you to to me that's a stronger moral okay and i'm trying to ask you how did you get how are you determined to sanctify existence unintentionally i mean again we disagree on the word existence but flourishing um it would be well no but but when you say flourishing you're saying that 
that which promotes the existence. Comfortability. Um, yes, that's fine. Just, 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 well, but I don't but wanna, it also I don't includes wanna, life itself. I, I don't want to answer so vaguely and then have you go, oh, so a child starving to death, that should be protected. No, no, no. The, 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 the existing in a negative I'm way. I'm asking you, why are you so upset that children starve? Where did that come from? You had this idea that from the atheist perspective, life doesn't matter. Do you agree with that objectively? No. Trey, this is life is this is life is special. This, this is a fundamental. No, I'm talking about I'm not talking about subjective. Answer? I'm talking about going, objective. Are fact. you gonna let me answer? Sure. You're, you're the one that's been talking this whole time. You've been giving very long answers, my friend. I've been very deferential to okay. you. Okay. I was gonna say, let's try to uh wrap up this atheists, question and atheists are most most atheists I know, and I, I would have to say, I don't recall meeting an atheist that doesn't fit this bill, but I'm I'm hesitant to say all for the sake of lack of absolutes. But every atheist that I can account for is also a humanist. They are a person who values life. They value reducing harm. They value flourishing. They are helpful. They love humanity. They are about inclusivity. They are about uh, helping marginalized communities. Um, sure, there are disagreements. There are caveats. I get it. But as a whole, non-believers feel like we are here for a limited amount of time. I want to help as many people as I can. I want to leave a good footprint. I want to do as little damage as I have to do in order to survive. And we disagree about what that damage is, but for the most part, our hearts are in the right place, and we want to reduce harm. Um, I don't need a God to tell me not to harm children or rape or kill or beat someone to death and take their money. That is a fundamental understanding of most living creatures. There are, there are unspoken rules in chimpanzee troops that if they steal, they get kicked out. Okay? So we... I don't need a God to tell me these things are bad. The facts of reality allow me to recognize undue harm and attempt to prevent that harm, period. Okay. Let's try so to wrap that up in okay, like 30 seconds here. No, you can go ahead and go. Okay, yeah, let's move on through then. Uh, let's see here. One second. I was counting on you. No, I'm kidding. All right, so uh, Ken Hovind, CPA, for $2. The world is a better place with David, David Smalley in it. Ooh, a fan. That's kind of oh. nice. Well, thank you for thank that. Yay! Thank you. I appreciate that. Positive comments are always appreciated. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Forte, $10. All right. Uh, and if an argument for God is morals, why do ants, dogs, monkeys, and rats all display moral behavior? Are morals evidence for God, or is it evidence for a survival mechanism that we call morals? Love that. Uh, it is a it is a survival mechanism, and it is a uh, it is teleological. In other words, its purpose. This is what I'm trying to bring up in our conversation just previously. I just gave up on it, but. Um, you cannot have purpose instantiating unintentionally. And so if something is striving toward purpose, it cannot be that it evolved out of unintentionality. I always use this example. If you imagine a whole universe as a big Venn circle, all right, and it's purely unintentional at some point in time. If there ever were a time in the past when there was no intentionality or purpose or telos or survival 
desiring to survive, what would you have today? You would have no desire whatsoever because unintentionality, which is the state of this universe, is all unintentional, cannot intend intention because it's unintentional. You're violating the law of identity. So if we have intentionality today, there must be something that is eternally intentional. And intention is only something that person or volition can do. So do you believe God gave ants morals? He, he determined them to, to have an instinct to survive. That's determination. That's why I was asking earlier. Do you think are you are you open? Are you open to the possibility, just from an intellectually honest perspective, are you open to the possibility that that same survival technique came about the revolution? Is evolution unintentional? Is there an efficient cause for the evolutionary synthesis? In uh, early on, let's just call it uh, survival. The, the 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 ants who worked the the ants ancestors who worked together uh, continue to survive. The ones who were selfish fell apart because they were unable to build, and so that gene, that genetic predisposition, was passed on and passed on and passed on. And so we look at it now and call it moral behavior when in fact we can both acknowledge it is a survival instinct that we put a label on, but are you open to that coming about through evolution? If evolution is intentional, sure. When you say intentional, you mean? If it's personal. Intentions are only why? Why, why does it do. have to be? Why does it have to be personal in order to work? Because unintentionality cannot intend intention as a process without violating the law of identity. You're saying unintentionality is intentional. It doesn't have to be intentional. It, it could have just happened. Okay, you're just giving me a Rudyard Kipling just so story. You're not actually giving me reason. <laughs> I just said it's it just a story have... that works for your perspective, but you're not no, reasoning no, no, no. with me. No, no, I'm saying as a, as a possibility, two separate ants colonies a million years ago, one worked together, the others did not. So they died off and that just kept on going. There was no intention there. It just so happened at a pure chance that this group worked together and that turned out to be better for the survival. And so they continue to pass on genetic, a, a genetic predisposition to be more helpful to the colony. And that's why they're so efficient today. Are you open to that being a possibility? No, because chance cannot intend. You just said chance decided that they would have chances. Not has no ontological status. Yeah, I just don't it's think, just the word. I just don't think intentionality is necessary, and I don't know the, I don't know that the evidence backs that up. So, well, it's a it's a it's a logical proof. Well, it's not. Quite a few super chats coming in here, so uh, we'll try to keep moving along. Uh, we'll try to restrict answers to around like two to three minutes. If you guys uh, are okay with that, okay. if sure. you're like really into like uh, something, you know, juicy, then you know. I might just let it go. <laughs> but uh, let's continue on. Uh, Bugmaster, $5. Thanks, Bugmaster. Uh, Trey, is it possible that a god created the universe then walked away without messing with it in any way? Um, contingent being cannot exist unless that which gives it is existent upholds it. So, for example, um, I do not believe that if God were to remove his hand from the universe, a lot of people would say, oh, everything would just fall apart and go you know, into bits of nothing. No, I believe that if God were to remove his hand from the universe, it would cease to exist. It wouldn't even exist. It has to have his 
providential care in order to be because dependent being is dependent upon that which gives it its existence by definition. Alrighty, let's continue on. So, um, yeah, I just want to make one statement about that really quickly. Sure. It, 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 that sounds like God would not be all powerful because that removes the ability for him to create something that could be self-sustaining. If he does not have the ability to create... No, then he wouldn't be God. If something can exist independently, then it, God is dependent upon that thing. And it's no, 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 because he could bring it into existence, so it was dependent upon him to exist initially, but he creates it in a way that it continues perpetually without his involvement. I don't... That's a... For it to exist without his power is an imperfection, not a perfection. No, no, no. It had to have his power to begin existing, but he could have created it to be perpetually existing without his involvement. Then it would need to... It would be something that it could exist self-existently, dependently. It's an imperfection, not a perfection. After you're you're was, arguing like after, Richard Dawkins right now. After it was created... So who cares? If, if it was... It could well, have been created argument. by him. God could have been... God could have been the first cause and then left it alone, the deistic argument. And he could, if he is all-powerful, he could also have created the universe with the power to continue without That's, his involvement. It would still be dependent on him to exist because he created it, but it would not need his constant involvement in order to continue existing. That's, that's kind of like Richard Dawkins saying that uh, God cannot, I can change my mind. God cannot change his mind. Therefore, I can do something God can't do. Well, changing your mind is making a mistake. It's an imperfection. And it's something to create itself, saying God cannot create itself that could be self-existent, which is impossible. It, it, something cannot be dependent and independent at the same time. It doesn't make any sense. I just explained it. If it had a beginning, it, could have been, it, it could have been dependent. I, I, I don't know how to make okay, it. Okay, let's, let's, move, let's move on. It, it could have been dependent on him in the beginning. I, I've already said it too many times. I don't know what else to say. All right. You got it. Let's continue on. Uh, Manga Fan Dan for $5. Thank you so much. Jesus was Jewish. If Christianity is true, why don't Christians keep kosher? Uh, because kosher laws, as I talked about earlier, it's part of the ceremonial law. All the ceremonial laws, the holiness laws, like, you know, people want to say, oh, well, why don't you, why do you wear mixed fabrics? And, um, uh, you know, why do you allow... Uh, to um, you know, touch pigskin or something like that. All of those things were were signs or shadows that pointed to Christ. Um, if you remember in Acts chapter ten, uh, uh, Peter was up on the roof and he had a vision of God. And God says, "Here, take up and eat these unclean animals." And uh, Peter says, "No, I've never touched anything that's unclean." And God says, "What I have made clean, um, do not consider unclean." And at that moment, Cornelius the Gentile comes and calls him to come preach the gospel to them. So. Once Christ comes, the ceremonial law is fulfilled, and those things do not matter uh, to us anymore. They were the they were the shadows that pointed to our, our holiness that we are to keep uh, in a in a fleshy sort of way. Now points to our spiritual holiness that we are to have in Christ, and and those uh, shadows have gone away. We're not we're not sacrificing goats anymore because Christ fulfilled those things. So my my one problem with that is that's not what Jesus said allegedly. If you I I implore all Christians. Grab your Bibles, open to Matthew 5, 17 through 20. Don't just stop at 17 and 18 and 19 where he says it will be, it is fulfilled. Keep reading through verse 20. He says, until heaven and earth disappear, 
until heaven and earth disappear, not one jot nor one tittle shall be removed from the old law. So when Jesus is questioned about this, he says, you got to still follow the old law or you'll be called less in the kingdom of heaven. Now, in Hebrews um, 8, I believe, uh, I'm not sure exactly where, I believe. in Hebrews, just read all of it, um, it does say in there that God's law will be written on the hearts of his people and that the ceremonial things aren't as important and in Acts, as, as Trey said, um, but... Uh, when Jesus had an opportunity to address it, he said, still follow the old law. So that, for me, when I was a believer, that was a contradiction I couldn't really tie together because I, I'm i not sure about heaven, but I know earth is still here. It has not yet disappeared. So when Jesus was asked, he wants me to still follow the old law. Um, and you can't just say you believe. You have to do the will of the Father. That's Matthew 7, 21. So I was very confused by, do I do what, the, what Acts and... Um, Hebrews tells me, or do I follow what Jesus said in the red letters in the Bible? So I'll let you as a Christian, not you, Trey, but the viewers and the listeners uh, decide uh, how you're going to work that out for yourself. I couldn't make it make sense. One of the reasons I'm a non-believer. Okay, well, it's it's your it's your poor exegesis that's the problem here. Uh, if you look in Mark, um, what is this, chapter 8, 7, 7 17, I was talking about Jesus. He was rebuking the, the Pharisees who were worried about cleaning their hands, and uh, he said, you wash the outside of the cup, but the in, inside you're full of um, you know, all types of evil. He said, after, the, uh, let's see, after he had left the, the crowd and entered his house, the disciples asked him about this parable because um, he's talking about the Pharisees saying that, you know, they won't help their parents, but they're worried about being holy on the outside. And he said, do you not see that anything that enters a person from the outside, that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile him? For it goes into the heart, not into the heart, but into the stomach and then out of the body. And in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. So if you want to go out of the words of Christ, he said, do not keep the ceremonial law anymore. We don't need sacrifices because the sacrifices pointed to Christ. We don't need the, the dietary laws because the dietary laws pointed to us for the uh, purification that Christ gives us. Um, um, it's, so the, the problem is not with the scripture, it's with your uh, a faulty understanding of the scripture, just like what Jesus said in Sermon on the Mount. Well, when, but Matthew was after Mark. So when Jesus was asked about it in Matthew, which came later, you could say it's, a, it's further from it or it's more updated. When Jesus was asked about it, he said, still follow the old law. So make up your own mind. But Yes, the moral law. Well, just Jesus doesn't want us to sacrifice. Okay, go ahead. Let's go. Well, I was going to say, we actually had a super chat come in here that's uh, kind of pertinent to what you guys are discussing right now. Uh, so, uh, yeah, thanks for your first super, your first super chat there, Black Helm, for $5. So are you saying that a civil law is still moral law, but not under the moral law? If that is the case, why is homosexuality immoral? Uh, homosexuality falls under the moral law. It's not a part of the civil law. Civil law basically deals with uh, the, the law that the way that they uh, punish and uh, the way that they... Um, um, you know, meet out the punishment under a theocracy, under an Old Testament dispensation where, again, a lax talionis is the standard. In other words, the whole purpose of the Old Testament, one of the main purposes is, is to show God's perfect holiness and our inability to be able to please him. So God says, do my law, we fail. Do my law, fail, 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 fail. Finally, man comes in and he cries out and says, God, I cannot do it. And God says, yes, now you get it. Now I will send my son to keep the law on your behalf so that in him, you can have forgiveness of sin 
and, uh, and not have to fall into the condemnation of the law. So the moral law stands. Uh, basically, the Ten Commandments is a summarization of the moral law. It's one of those most immoral things I could imagine. Killing your own son. Why don't you just say sinful? You're cutting out a little bit there, David. Um, what? You, you've been breaking up a little bit. Your, your stream, oh, am I? Your stream seems like it's not, not uh, my lost part. some quality there. But uh, maybe it'll be okay. I don't know. Nope. Are you, Trey? Well, let me see. Maybe I could just okay. close a few things here. Um, no, I just said I, I, can't, I can't imagine. I said I just can't imagine it. Uh, own son who's innocent for somebody else who's guilty. I don't see that as a gift. It, it sounds like uh, sounds like child abuse. Any thoughts there, uh, Trey? Um, I, no, I mean, my question to, to David again is, uh, where does he get this desire to sanctify existence or to, to say that existence is objectively valuable? Yeah, I've, I've said the the, uh, the facts of reality to recognize harm. Do you believe chimpanzees can recognize harm? Yes, they're determined to value existence. How do you get determination indeterminately, though? Yeah, so so they get it through God. You think chimpanzees get it through God? That's how they recognize fire is bad, is because God. Yes. How do you have How do you have purpose instantiating unintentionally? I, I, I just think I just think the ability to recognize that a fire is coming through the. You're just assuming your answer, my friend. No, no, no. It's just I, it's I, a begging the question. No, it's, You're saying that we value existence because we value existence. No, I think it's, I think it's pretty clear that um, a, 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 a chimpanzee recognizing a fire in the forest and moving away from that fire because they don't want to get hot uh, and burn, I think that's, uh, that does not require a god. I think that that's a natural survival instinct that we can put labels on after the fact, but to say that a God is required for a mammal to recognize harm is just absurd to me. Are they determined to do that? Because you're saying it's, it's determined indeterminately. I say they've, they've evolved to do right. that as a survival instinct. An, an indeterminate system has determined them to do that. It doesn't make any sense. You're violating the law of identity. It doesn't make any sense that it has to be that something has to think in order for something to to, to be. You can think you can you mean rocks can have, can have goals with even though they're not sentient? So thank you for confirming that you do understand what a straw man is. Jesus Christ. Well, to keep it all in tune here. Uh, we had another first super chat come in, and uh, we're we're gonna give it priority just because it is uh, uh, like I say, march into the same beat there. Uh, so from John for six, six, six. Oh no, I've been Iron Maiden triggered. Uh, what have you done to me, John? All right, <laughs> Trey. Do all morals come from Christianity, the Christian God? Does your argument rest on the assumption that the Christian God created the universe? No, it's not an assumption. It's a deduction. Um, and as, as, as David and I were talking about, you've got all kinds of religions in the world. And insofar as those religions make contradictory claims, if you're going to be reasonable, they all cannot be uh, uh, equally valid. And, and so, and like I said, it's possible that all religions could be false on that level, but they all can't be right as well if we're going to be reasonable people. I have a I have a question for you now, Trey. That that okay. triggered something for me. 
this idea of intentionality and morality coming from God in all creatures, that includes the 8 billion human beings on earth, why would God make sure that those 8 billion people and beyond, the ones who have all lived before, let's just say the 8 billion that are here now, why would God create those 8 billion people with his moral law written in their hearts, with intentionality of moral behavior, but leave out that Christianity is true in 6 billion of those hearts, knowing that they will go burn in hell for eternity when he could have just added that to the stock apps we all had. Okay, so you would agree then that um, it would seem that God does not love all people equally. Oh, yeah. I mean, I... I yeah, I do. That's part of my problem with the uh, God will keep you from all harm. He's got special favorites and things like that. But um, not loving everyone okay. is not the same and, as sending six billion to torture. Let's just be and clear. Why, why is God angry with his people, with the people of the world? You're, you're answering my question with questions again, Trey. Can I'm trying just, to. Can you just tell remember me Remember we why? said I like Socratic. I like Socratic. I, I understand. I understand. If you make my point for me, it's a lot easier because therefore... I it understand. can be demonstrated that it's a it's a viable point. I understand, but but what Socrates would do is answer a question and then ask a question of his uh, interlocutor. So the idea right. was question and answer, not question, 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 question. No, no, I can answer so, your question so, so by your answering do. me. Do you believe that? Um, um, let me Trey, just say this. Okay, it doesn't From matter. Trey, what I believe. Go ahead. I'll go ahead. It, it it doesn't matter what I believe for this. I'm saying, and I'll state it again. You you you've I'm not, I'm you posited this you posited this argument that God this point there. you've posited this argument that that God has written certain things on our hearts by default. We have these sort of when you get an iPhone, it has apps already on it, and then you can download more stuff, right? Yeah. So so our apps that are preloaded are basic morality and intentionality, and that existence is valuable. There's a core apps there are core apps that we were installed with, yet. In six in six billion of the eight mil of the eight billion, six, the vast majority, he left out that Christianity is true. He's staying divinely hidden, as a divine hidden no, argument. He's staying divinely hidden from those. At least, at least he didn't make that part of the core knowledge every human had. Why would he do that, knowing that six billion of those people and beyond would go burn in hell for eternity and be sent to torture? A lack of love is not the same as sending everyone to be tortured. So why would he allow that when he could have just made also Christianity is true as part of the default human condition? Okay, what you're assuming is that God sends people to hell because they don't have Jesus. God sends people to hell because they suppress the knowledge of God that they already have about him. They do not give him thanks. That's what Romans 1 and Romans 2 is and has been demonstrated in this conversation now. The judgment that we receive from God is not because we don't believe in Jesus, although Jesus is the Savior. It's that we suppress the knowledge of his being our creator and giving thanks to him for every moment of existence that we have. Did Jesus, the not, reason, say condition, did Jesus not say it was a condition of believing in him in order to enter the kingdom of heaven? The remedy to our sin is found in Christ, mm -hmm. but men are not going to hell because they didn't believe in a Jesus they never heard of. Do you agree? 
I believe that would be immoral. I mean, I agree that that would be immoral. Okay, that's not why they go to hell. They go to hell because they suppress the knowledge of God in unrighteousness. They know God exists, and yet they hold it down and they blaspheme his name rather than giving thanks for every moment that they have. So a four-year-old child born in India who's raised in a Muslim family, he knows God and Jesus are real and is... He knows he has a creator, and he knows he's a sinner. <laughs> and he deserves hell if he were to die at four years old. If God is holy, there is no hope for any of us apart <laughs> from a satisfaction. Well, good thing. Do you all... get upset at people who do evil things? A good David? thing we're all safe because that God doesn't exist. So I'm pretty happy to. Do you do you get upset at people who do evil things? Not always. Is it wrong if you don't? Um, not always. These, this is, these are very vague scenarios, but I'm not. Well, God. actually, they're very clear and you're wanting to make them vague. It seems like. No, see, you're telling me what I want. Again, you're telling me what's in my <laughs> mind. You've been obfuscating this whole time, my friend. Yeah, I think you'll, uh, I think you'll find the opposite is true. Well, let's, um, maybe so. let's continue on there. Okay, uh, let's move on. If, yeah. you, if you care to explore how people feel about this conversation. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I want to try to get through these quickly because I know you probably got to get going there, David, in a little bit. So uh, mm -hmm. we're going to try to make these ones quick. Um, that was John's first super chat. Thank you so much, John. Businessmall Ayub, $5. Hey, Trey, what makes you think a child would consent to a uh, pedo by your statement? Pedo? In all quest shows, a three-year-old can consent. Just the flow of the sentence didn't make a lot of sense, but yeah, I think they're asking you, a three-year-old can consent uh, by sure. What you're a, a child can easily be groomed to do any number of things. The question is, why, if sex is just like eating a meal or something like that, is it so damaging to the child, and why it makes people so angry when something like that happens? We know that sex is special. But then on the other hand, we want to live it freely without any bonds. And so we tell ourselves, oh, it's just like eating. But we can't do that consistency. Cons inconsistency is the sign of a failed argument. And that's simply what I'm trying to point out. Would you, would you say it's abusive to force feed a child beyond food that they want? Uh, I do not think. If I strapped a three-year-old in, in, uh, in a chair and forced them to eat broccoli, I deserve the death penalty. Do you agree? I don't, I'm just, I don't just mean broccoli. I mean, keep feeding and keep feeding and keep feeding, and they they vomit. No, just just no. Let's say, let's make it a candy bar. That I force that child to eat a candy bar. Do I need to go to jail for the rest of my life? You're you're making the meal small. I'm saying force feeding beyond what the child. You're not can answering the, the argument. I'm asking you a question. Okay. If you keep if force feed them so they die the or child, what? Is it abusive? Yes, of course. To to make to, to strap them in a hey, child so, and to make them eat anything is wrong. If you're not the parent or some other person, you grab somebody's child. That's what I'm I'm presupposing, and you force okay, that so child sex, to eat. It sex is wrong. Be, so sex could be like eating. It, it, you're talking about you're talking about traumatic stress. You're talking about psychological issues that will develop over time. You're talking about physical harm to a child's body. You're talking about all not sorts necessarily. of problems well we can move on from wow. there we got lots more to uh wow. to leave through there uh Azayan talks thank you so much says good job david wish i wasn't so busy with work 
Uh, so Zion, sorry you have, couldn't make it out here for tonight, but I'm sure you'll check it out tomorrow. You better check it out tomorrow. I'll be bugging you in Discord. All right, CE for two dollars. Trey, can non-Christians go to heaven? Non-Christians go to heaven. Any everybody who is holy goes to heaven and doesn't pass doesn't need to go to jail or anything. All holy people go to heaven. So if you what are, does it take to be holy? An, what's that? What does it take to be holy? Uh, to be without sin, to never do anything wrong. So none of us are going. Right. Unless we well, have a satisfaction. That's the point. So we agree that none of us are going to heaven? High five. None of us on our own merit can, because all of us failed. All right, let's continue on. Eric Salas, $2. Trey, how is the Bible and Christianity true? How is the Bible and Christianity true? Um, well, again, it starts with analytical argument, and you go through the evidence of the Bible. And, uh, for example, uh, uh, Luke is considered to be, by Sir William Ramsey, the greatest historian of antiquity, um, by, as he checked out the book of Luke Acts um, through archaeology, dedicated his entire life to that uh, endeavor. And he went there, actually, to try to disprove. He was part of the uh, Tübingen School. Uh, uh, F.C. Bauer basically said he was in imposing Hegelian philosophy on the Bible, and basically he was taught that the book of Acts was written 100 years later than when it was purported to be done. And so he, as an archaeologist, went there to verify that, that it was actually was written 100 years later. And he said uh, uh, that Luke is um, a historian of the first caliber. He said he's the highest. You can push him as far as you want, and he will stand uh, 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 the most strict scrutiny with his historical analysis. So we know that the Bible is an accurate representation of uh, what happened in early Palestine, generally speaking, from an archaeological perspective, he became a Christian uh, as the uh, result of his work because he went there as a as an enemy, uh, not not hostile, but he just believed that the Bible was not written when it was supposed to be written and it wasn't accurate. And he actually said he is the greatest historian to ever uh, live. And another scholar uh, rated him uh, on the level with uh, Thucydides, uh, who's considered to be the the father of historic uh, scientific history. Um, who uh, recorded the, the annals of the Peloponnesian War. So uh, so we know that we have a very accurate uh, rendition of what happened, and you have a Christ making very strong statements about the authority of Scripture, saying that uh, not one letter or stroke will pass away until all is accomplished. So Jesus uh, went beyond general reliability and said that uh, it, until... it will not pass away until it's it's perfect, basically. Not just accomplished until heaven and earth disappear, which is my argument, but... It's, it's important to keep reading beyond 17 and 18 and go all the way to 20. Well, let's continue uh, on. It doesn't change it. Uh, let's see here. Do, do, do. I'll try to keep this quick. Bugmaster, $5 again. Thanks, Bugmaster. Trey, is it possible for a thing to be valuable to us humans without being objectively valuable in the grand cosmic sense? No, here's the problem. Because, see, you've got to give a justification for your determination to value things. And so... Just to say, well, I subject, this is, this is a question I always ask atheists, it didn't come up in this uh, conversation, but I'll say, uh, does the universe matter objectively? And they say, no, but it value, it's valuable to me. In other words, they say it's subjectively valuable. But what you're doing when you're saying that is that you're saying, I'm imposing value on something that's not objectively valuable. In other words, I'm lying to myself about reality because I can't stand the thought of it not having any meaning at all. So what I do is I have a crutch to help me make it through life, and I lie and tell me something is valuable, 
that is really not valuable because if you're going to say something objectively valuable, there must be an objectable objective valuer, and this is what you, we've been kind of going. God, in you're here. just Trey. You're just talking in circles, man. You, I'm you talking just, in circles. Yeah, because you just I'm, said I'm giving a linear argument, just, my friend. You're you the one talking said, in circles. No, you just said that the atheist acknowledges that it's not objectively valuable not objectively valuable but it's valuable to me which is subjective and then by the end of your argument you talked yourself back into the atheist now lying that it has objective meaning and objective value you're 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 talking past yourself you you acknowledged when you started speaking that the atheist said it's, it doesn't have objective value and by the time you finished talking you called the atheist no, no. a liar and then you lied no, about what, what the atheist said yeah, no, I'm saying that he is saying that it's subjectively valuable, but not objectively valuable. But if he's going to say that it's subjectively valuable, but it's not really true, it's not objectively true, then you're just lying to yourself that it's really true no, you when could it's really be, not. You, could you be can't live consistently with your perspective. I'm sorry? No, you you could just, uh, Trey, you, you could just be making um, a statement of preference without claiming that that's true for everyone. Some people may say this doesn't have any value at all. And we're going to live on space rocks and we're going to blah, blah, blah. And earth doesn't mean anything. It, it doesn't mean that that has to be true for all of us. Right? So, so the atheist saying, um, it doesn't have objective value. They're saying if, if humanity doesn't exist and animals don't exist, then the earth becomes meaningless and doesn't really need to exist. And there's all these, you know, philosophical sort of discussions that just goes all the way down. But to say it's important to me is a statement of preference. It's to say that, right. If you were going to, what's come the to my, reason you're saying that? If you that's were going to come to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give a, I'm going to give an analogy. That's going to explain it. If you're and this is going to be very short. I promise. If you, if you're going to come to my home for one hour and I can do anything I want with you, and I say, at the end of this hour, I'm going to wipe your memory completely. You're going to have no memory of what happened. Would it matter what we did? Would you, would you, and then you had two choices. Do you want to spend your time watching your favorite movie and having a pizza? Or do you want to spend the time strapped to a table while I'm beating you and stabbing you with knives? I mean, I'm going to wipe your memory. I'm going to wipe all the wounds. I'm going to magically make everything go away. And it's not going to matter tomorrow. But for that one hour, do you want to be in anguish or do you want to be at peace? That's what we're saying. It may not matter in a trillion years, but while we exist, we would prefer a peaceful existence. That's what matters. That's what has value okay. to us. Why is that a moral dilemma for you? It, it's not a dilemma for me. It's, it's answering your question to say that we're not lying. You're, you're acting as if it's something that we need to be thoughtful about. It matters to us how we exist and why i'm asking you how you came to the point where you sanctify existence where did that come from is it I an accident is it I unintentional i don't need you're not giving me an answer my friend i don't need to sanctify existence according to your satisfactory standards in order to i am not god in order to understand and recognize the difference between a peaceful existence and a torturous existence even if they are both temporary I can acknowledge that I would rather be peaceful, even if it's temporary, than be tortured, even if I have no memory of either at the end. I, I grant you that. Okay, next question, maybe. All right, let's continue on. So, uh, that was from Bugmaster. Yeah, so uh, 
Yes, sir. I can't say that. I'm so sorry. I don't know how to say that. Simard, uh, $10. Trey, are you able to presuppose a world without a creator? If so, could you concede that an atheist worldview is still a view capable of morality? Um, I, I, it seemed like there were a couple of questions within there, but I cannot imagine a world that is self-created or self-existent because if it's self existent it can't change in a deistic world in a deistic uh, situation where a first cause was necessary but the god didn't interact is it possible for morality to to evolve and exist without the god no, it's, it's the same it's the same as it is right with the evolutionary process unless there is a a purpose for evolution behind it there cannot be any purpose whatsoever none our having this conversation that purpose cannot exist unintentionally well, and the intention that we are we are imbibed with must be intended. Yeah, I just think that's categorically false. All I'm all I want to be is philosophically and logically consistent. Well, let's continue on from there. Uh, it's been a lively chat, everybody. Uh, we still got quite a few super chats to go. Uh, so once again, we're trying to keep it quick. Uh, we're gonna let uh, you guys kind of set the pace there as we continue through the last. I think we got about six or seven more now in to go. So. Wow. Uh, we'll try to keep it uh, going. CE, $2. David, what is the reason the universe exists? I don't know, and I don't have to know. All right. I'm, I'm okay with hopefully one day we will find out, and researchers are definitely looking and in, in, into it and trying to figure it out, but I don't know, and I don't have to know in order to continue with my life or be a good person and treat people with respect. All right, let's continue on from there. Uh, I was going to just try to keep it at that. So, uh, Oflamio, $5. Trey, if God appointed me prophet, would you follow my command, assuming you would lose salvation if you didn't? Assuming I would... I don't I don't believe there's such a thing as prophets anymore. So, no, I wouldn't follow you. Gotcha. So, you wouldn't believe his revelation? No. Why would you doubt his revelation? Um, because there is no more... Um, there's no more revelation coming, special revelation coming. How do you know? Uh, because the apostles, um, at the closing of the canon of the scriptures, there's no more um, special revelation. So you're People not like believe, to say that you're not going to believe a man who says he has revelation because other man, another man said he was the last one to receive revelation. No, he, well, they, they, we know that they God. were. They no, we know they spoke for God because they have miracles. That's that's the difference. Like Muhammad never performed any miracles. He said his only miracle was to pr produce a Quran. He never claimed to to perform miracles. All right, let's continue on from there, everybody. Uh, I see there's still 400 people out watching uh, here at Modern Day Debate. Uh, if you got time, if, you know, if you've got the fingers or you know, some means, hit the like button. Uh, you know, don't let us get crushed by those YouTube algorithms. We want to get these. Uh, these conversations out there. Continuing on, Black Helm, $5. So are you saying that a civil law is still a moral law, but not under, oh, I read that one. That one we can skip on from, and I'm just going to switch my mediums because I got some other questions over here. So, Rebecca Young, why does a self-existent thing have to have a mind? Pre-universe stuff could have always existed. That's a great question. Um, the reason that uh, this is kind of goes to the same thing I'm saying before, if it doesn't have a mind, only minds can have purpose. And if we have purpose today, there must be something eternally 
uh, volitional that has purpose and therefore it must be internal personal mind. Otherwise we would not have purpose today. If God has a cause, a cause cannot imbibe something that it itself does not have. It's called the principle of proportionate causality. I cannot impart something beyond myself when I'm causing something else. If God has always existed, the universe could have always existed. No, because it changes. That's that's number three. It also Changing can't, change is contingent by definition. Okay, we already had that discussion. So go ahead. Yeah. All right. Uh, in defense of the gospel, four ninety nine. Thank you so much for your super chat. Assuming you are pro choice, why is it a moral right for women to murder her offspring, but it's morally wrong for God to do what He wants with His? That's I can't tell that question's for. Well, I can. It's for David. I, can, you re- can you read it again? I'm not pro-choice. Okay, yeah. It says, assuming you are pro-choice, why is it a moral right for a woman to murder her offspring, but it's morally wrong for God to, to do what he wants with his? Yeah, I, I don't consider it uh, murder because um, the life is still forming. It's not done. And so I don't consider a... Uh, a fetus in early stages of pregnancy to be um, its own life. It's a life dependent upon um, the mother's body and it is a medical condition. And so if the woman chooses to end that medical condition, she should have the right to do so. It requires her body to exist much like um, Trey has made the argument that the universe requires God's constant intervening to continue existing that that fetus that embryo is a dependent being and if the mother decides she does not want that uh or if the pregnant person i should say uh decides (laughs) that they don't want that um that medical condition any longer they should be allowed to end it so i don't consider it murder all right It's it's the prevention of life not the ending of a life all right. I, I, uh, yeah, we'll try to move on from there. Um, for uh, John, 777. Uh, is that like uh, when you used to play that game? Is that Carl, the devil's evil brother? Because it's not 666. 777. Thank you, John, again. Trey, saying it's a deduction, not an assumption, that the Christian God created the universe as a cop-out. Is there uh, extra-biblical evidence for that? I'm sorry, could you repeat that again? I didn't catch the beginning of it. Sure. Trey, saying it is a deduction, not an assumption, that the Christian God created the universe is a cop-out. Is there extra-biblical evidence for that? I Did you, was that person even here? I never appealed to the Bible in my argument of the existence of God. It's it's the, That's my whole argument, doesn't rely upon scriptures to, to make a creator. Oh, and right. that's the part that's analytically true. We're going to wait for David to come back here, and we'll ask the next question. Um, Pointless Puppy. Trey, are you unaware of the mountains of evidence for uh, severe mental damage observed in sexually abused children and the lack of evidence for any damage due to homosexuality, be it mental or social? Um, I'm not. I am not even making a a statement... um, I mean, I, I thought of two things there, because you're talking about the, the, the child being molested. So you assume, I guess this person agrees 
that molesting a child is very bad because sex is somehow super special. But then they want to say that homosexuality um, is normal. But from biologically, a physiological perspective, it's a perversion. Nobody questions that, really. We don't need to fertilize poop. And to say otherwise, it's, 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 it's deviant. I mean, the purpose of the procreative act is procreation. And whether somebody says they get hurt or not, it's, it's irrelevant to me. All right. Uh, a couple of questions we had come in is, are for uh, David and for both of you. Um, we'll go to Bro Marco. How or why do either one of you assume reason for existence? I think, David, you already explained uh, your side of that and just said that you don't. Um, so, Trey, we'll give the floor over to you. I'm sorry. Could you repeat that? I didn't really understand it. Uh, what? How would? How or why do either one of you assume reason for existence? Oh, oh, you mean do we assume logic? Is that what they're saying? Do you think or uh, assume that there is a reason? Like why? Why are we here? Yeah. Like oh, okay. Deeper um, idea. It could be that it that it's not. There's no reason whatsoever. But if that were the case, if we're consistent for it, that would destroy all inquiry because the reason that we do science, the reason we do inquiry, the reason we search things out is to save the phenomena of existence because we assume there is a reason. It is to survive. It is special. Life is special. If you're going to be consistent and say nothing is rational, nothing is reasonable, and there's no reason to be here, then you're not going to want to try to save the phenomena of existence. If you're going to be consistent, but nobody is. I, th I think you're conflating um, reason for purpose. And I... I would say that once you do exist, you start to focus on your purpose being continuing existing for most for the right. most part. But that's not the same as uh, a God thinking ahead of time going, I would like to create humanity and here's the reason why. Um, well, the reason is to sanctify existence. That is the reason in itself. In other words, the whole goal for everything is existence. God himself is subsistence existence. Therefore, we should give praise and thanks to him who is the perfection of that which we think is so good. I, I hope he, didn't, he didn't need us, right? Science. He didn't need us to exist. He, he didn't, didn't need us, no. So why, why did he create us? He was just... Are you saying that he cannot be volitional because he doesn't need us? That is a straw man. You're saying that, you're saying that he asking, must be deficient just in order for us opinion. to exist. I'm not and I'm giving an up. answer. Sorry, I'm not making an argument, man. Chill. I'm just asking you, conversationally, God's chilling out in the cosmos for, I don't know, 73.86 kajillion years and then decides, I'd like some pets. Why did no, he time decide began, to create Time us? began at the beginning. Time began at the Big Bang, so it's not... Okay, but why would, he, why, why would he just decide to create us? Why? What did he need? Why? What's the point? You're assuming that he has deficiency in order to create, and I'm just saying that's not, that doesn't follow Okay. How, where's the logical problem there? I don't see it. Well, let's try I, to. I just, oh, okay, let's move on. Problem. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to find out why he would do it. It doesn't make sense why he would create us to begin with, especially knowing that the vast majority of us were going to be tortured in his torture chamber. I don't know why he would continue on existing, knowing a very small percentage is going to make it to the paradise. I would rather none of us exist at all ever than for us to exist for a few million years only for the vast majority to be tortured in a torture chamber. It just seems sadistic. All right. Well, let's continue on from there. Uh, just a reminder to our live chat to uh, smash the like button. 
Uh, it helps a lot. Uh, so, David, from Debunking Ignorance, I don't support Christianity, but atheists of today are extremely immoral and arrogant. If God were to smite evil again, immor- immorality would go by. Like, bye-bye. Something. I don't know how you could just make the broad claim that atheists are immoral. Is that what that says? Uh, yeah, atheists of today are extremely immoral and arrogant. I would have to know. I mean, if you're basing that off of Facebook, you're probably mostly right. But I don't know that that has anything to do with the vast majority of people who just lack of a lack of belief in a God and are perfectly good human beings. So I think the premise of your question is absurd to just make a broad brushing statement that atheists are extremely immoral and arrogant is a pretty arrogant thing to say. So I, I can't even follow that with a uh, cogent response because the you've kind of built your premise on a swamp there. It doesn't really make sense. If you'd like to have something specific to say and you want to come on and make an argument, you're more than welcome to go to my website, and this goes for everybody, davidcsmalley.com, click on Be a Guest. I'm happy to have you on my podcast anytime if you want to challenge my views, atheism, or make an argument for why I should believe what you believe. I would I'd, I would welcome that. You heard it here, everybody. Get your butts off of Facebook. Don't, uh, stop that keyboard warrior stuff and go join David and have a conversation with him if you want to push back against uh, some of the things he's saying there. So he's extended the invitation. Uh, once again, from Debunking Ignorance for $5. David, I don't support Christianity. Uh, oh, that's the same one. Uh, oh, okay. Never mind. I thought I had two there. Let's continue on because there was another one for both of you. How can morality be justified to exist outside of a human mind, given it's a man-made invention? I never said it was a man-made invention. That's for me or, or for Trey? I think that's just Probably a me. very general question. So we'll let Trey start and you can inject there because we're getting close to the end. Okay, what, okay, what this person is doing is they're uh, making a case for what's called conventionalism, that, that moral code is just basically what the, what the mob basically decides. And with that type of view, uh, morality is reduced to uh, power, might makes right, rather than the sanctity of existence, which I think is a real reason that people uh, base their uh, moral code. So what they would say, a conventionalism would say the only person that sins is the person who disagrees with the mob. Um, But we all know that if Adolf Hitler would have won World War II, he still would have been wrong. We know that those who do not sanctify existence are the ones who are the bad guys, not those who all agree that, you know, like I use the example of a, an island with two men and one woman, and they have a consensus two to one that rape is okay. That doesn't make rape okay. And we all know that. Yeah, I, I actually agree with him. Um, morals are not man-made. That's not what either of us has said, actually. Um, Trey's position, I believe that morality came from God. And my position is that morality evolved within us and exists in other creatures already. We have recognized it and built communities based on it, but it came about through revolution. It was not created by man. All right, well, let's try to continue on from there. Uh, unless you had any, uh, like, if you could wrap up in like 15 seconds, if you had any thoughts there, Trey? Oh, we can move on. All right, cool. 
Thanks for being uh, so amicable there tonight, uh, Trey and uh, David. This has been a great conversation. Uh, we have a few more Super Chats to go, so let's keep it rolling. Uh, Black Helm for $5. Trey, so are you saying infertile people shouldn't have sex? Infertile people? No, because people who are infertile are broken. That doesn't, that has nothing to do with the institution of uh, procreation. Uh, just because, you know, if, uh, if I don't have a, um, uh, ability to do something because something is wrong in my body that doesn't destroy the, uh, the actual institution itself. It's just, it's just, an, I mean, we're all broke. Like I said, we're all broken in some way. That doesn't mean that whatever we want to do, you know, say I get my tongue cut out, well, then we shouldn't eat. Uh, no, it's just a, it's just a feature of an individual that has struggles. Um, and I'm not saying sex is merely, it is primarily for uh, procreation, but it's not the only thing. What else is it for? Um, it's for uh, social bonding. Um, I think it gives a picture of uh, unity and diversity of the, uh, the Trinity of God's person and being. Um, it reflects Christ and his church. It's, it's a picture of many things in Christian illusions, um, but it is primarily because in heaven there will be no sex. Um, and, uh, so it is a temporary, um, well, ordinance yeah. for the purpose of, uh, Glad I'm not going. making people. Um, so then if, if I hope my, my friends in the LGBTQ community will forgive my terminology here, but if I use Trey's terminology and I say, let's presuppose gay people fall in line with your broken um, example that there is something wrong in the brain that makes them attracted to the same sex instead of the opposite. Um, just like someone not being able, someone being infertile, there's something broken according to your terminology and they can't produce children. Um, they should still be able to love and um, experience uh, sex for social bonding and, and other things why can't gay people do the same thing if uh, they're still social creatures? Why, what's different about being gay and just saying, well, they're just a little broken, just like the infertile person, and they're just attracted to the wrong person. So even though they're not going to make a baby, let's let them continue uh, and experience their love, consensual love with who they are attracted to and who is attracted to them for the social bonding aspect. Okay, I just said that um, the primary purpose of procreation is for procreation. Did you get that part? I did. And then the, the question was... Okay, the ancillaries about... don't define the, the fundamental. Okay, fine. But then, the, but then the, the, the person, you acknowledge that the person who's infertile is broken, but they should still continue to have sex for social bonding. So why not just say the gay... Well, they should, no, they should be able to have it because that's the order that God has made in the universe. Do you agree that there's an order to the universe? Like this, you're against pedophilia because it goes against the order of the universe, right? Yeah, this is this is the problem with with this conversation, Trey. I'm 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 being very specific about gay people, and now you're talking about the entire universe. You just said, no, that, I'm trying to make a case for realism. You just said, you're trying to make a case for said, nominalism. You just said that infertile people are broken, but they should still be able to have sex. Why not just say gay people are broken, but they should still be able to have sex? Because you can't have babies. If everybody uh, practiced homosexuality, then we would go extinct. Especially it's a perversion. It is a perversion. But Having it's, sex with your wife and you can't and you're infertile is not a perversion. Why not? If you can't have babies and you're doing it just for the pleasure of sex, how is that not perversion? 
because you are given that order. It's a part of the order of the universe. That's why I'm saying the order of the universe. But they can't have sexuality is, 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 is absolutely disordered. It's they perverted can't by nature. They can't have babies. No, it's not disregarded by nature. Four to 10% of all, basically all mammalian species has homosexual populations. And it's they also eat their young. It's a part of nature. They eat their young. Well, before you, uh, before you respond <laughs> there, of them. before you respond there, David, because I don't want you to feel like uh, the live chat, uh, we're teaming up on you here because we got a lot of questions here. And this is yeah, pertaining to exactly what you're talking about. So uh, I want to get it in there while it's pertinent. Uh, John, for another $5. Trey, are all sexual acts committed without the intent of procreation equally immoral? And why is masturbation as immoral as homosexual intercourse? Um, I'm sorry. I, my, some, some noise went off in my ear. Um, you said, um, are all sexual acts apart from procreation? Is that what you said? Immoral? Uh, yeah. So Trey, are all sexual acts committed without the intent of procreation equally immoral? And why is masturbation as immoral as homosexual intercourse? Sorry, every time I touch my headphones, I had to get out of that page. It goes off. Uh, the music. I love this question. I love this question. Um, great question. Thanks I'm, again for the super chat, John. But yes, go I, ahead. I beg your pardon. Could you read it one more time? My earpiece. Hey, you know, stuff, stuff happens. Uh, we're live streaming right now. Uh, you know, there's been a few audio glitches here and there, and I've been tweaking with settings. I think we've got it figured out now. So, uh, John, $5. Thank you so much for the super chat. Trey, are all sexual acts committed without the intent of procreation equally immoral, and why? Is masturbation as immoral as homosexual intercourse? Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I wouldn't say uh, masturbation is the same as homosexual uh, but I do think it is disordered because the purpose of uh, um, here we're having this problem right now in the Western culture. Almost every single uh, country in the world has a negative fertility rate. And it's my opinion, it's because of the advent of pornography and masturbation. People don't need anybody else. So they just make love with themselves um, and maybe get a couple of boobs put on themselves so that they can uh, not have anybody else. And everybody turns into themselves. So I think uh, by making that normative, it's first of all, it's not satisfying. And um, it's when we follow the what God has given us for a standard, uh, we can have satisfaction. And that means saying no to certain things, it means saying no to sex outside of marriage, to masturbation, and uh, of course, the homosexual behavior. I think that God has made us a certain way. And we can have joy when we embrace that which God has made. Trey, if you think people are getting boobs installed so they can enjoy them themselves and play with them. It's called autogynephilia, David. You ever heard of it? I know. I know that there are one-offs and, and a very, and, and I get it. I get it. But that's not what's happening. I'm not saying, no, I'm not saying every single person is like that. There's not nearly enough. There's not even enough transgender people on the planet to cause a change in our, uh, uh, population decline, and if you think we need more human beings right now, you I am not set, saying that. I'm, you've never set in LA traffic, David. Have you? Have, do you? Do you realize that every single developed nation, almost everyone, has a negative fertility rate? Do you know what that means? What's wrong with that? There, there's so the many, average. The average age so is many, getting older. Can you, you extrapolate you, what that means? You yelling. Oh it, you yelling and leaning forward doesn't make you correct. Okay, you know what? Let's move on. We're we're doing a whole other show here. Yeah, no, I mean, I just, 
there are lots of places that are overcrowded and overpopulated and and there's a big it's not because of too many people there's a big there's a big financial i apologize there's a big financial shift as well i mean there's a there's a lot of reason the number one reason in this country right now that people are having less babies is because of financial reasons well i'm gonna get this uh, super chat in there because it's continuing in this uh in this vein Pointless Poppy, four ninety nine. Trace sexuality primarily for social bonding is not procreation. So again, why do you think homosexuality is wrong? Well, as I stated earlier, um, homosexuality by definition is unnatural and perverted. You don't need to fertilize poop, as I stated earlier. That's not the purpose. Even from a biological perspective, it's a it's a it's a perversion. Not all, not all homosexual acts are fertilizing poop. Well, that's a primary issue. No, not necessarily. There are procreation is nowhere on the map with it. I can assure you that procreation is nowhere agree. on the procreation is nowhere on the map of people who are infertile. But you're in favor of them having sex for social bonding. But you're not in favor. No, of I am saying people. because it is the order that God has made. There is an order to the universe, and they are obeying it. And homosexuality is not. So why do we have gay dolphins? Did God make that order? Because they're broken. Why do we have mammals eating their young? <laughs> Just because other people do it or other species do it does not make it moral. Do you realize no, that? No, no, Just no. Just because no, you observe something doesn't mean it's good. No, but when it happens in nature, doesn't that mean it's part of God order, God's order? Or no, it's part of the fallen world. You know, so you think things happen? So you think ha things are things can happen in God's world that are not according to God's will? Um, his preceptive will, not his decretive will. Everything is according to God's decretive will, but his preceptive will. There is a, a evil in this world, which is a sh falling short of what God has commanded. Gay dolphins are evil. No, I am saying it's a part of a broken order. Dolphins are not uh, uh, morally culpable moral creatures. Then why do you care? Okay. It's, it's a part, just part of nature. They're a part of nature. And and uh, 4 to 10% of almost all mammalian species have homosexuality in them, cows, whatever. It, it happens all throughout nature. It is a right. part of nature. You can't say it's and they also eat And they also eat their young. Yeah. Okay. Not, not all of them. Right. I don't know any gay cows that have eaten their calves. Well, let's continue on there. Uh, spicy conversation here tonight. Sunflower, $10. David, your hypothetical with the memory wipe. What if one person gains pleasure from stabbing the other? Why shouldn't they stab them knowing both memories will be wiped tomorrow? Beautiful question. As a matter of fact, I was on the side of it being peaceful, not being torturous. John, Rawl, John Rawls' veil of ignorance is what I'd like you to look into. Um, the, the basic idea, it's more complicated than this, but the basic idea is take any moral situation, trays at my home, I'm, I'm there, knives are available, and one of the options is me stabbing Trey and torturing him for an hour. The veil of ignorance is freeze the situation, take both of us out of it, and ask both of us with the veil of ignorance, not knowing which person we're going to be in the situation, would we go back and experience the same thing? Do we still want the torture to be an option in that situation? Knowing that I might be the torturee instead of the torturer would probably decide let's remove torture from 
the table as an option, right? John Rawls' Veil of Ignorance is a very good mechanism by which to judge and remove the subjectiveness of the ideas. I mean, of course, it's still subjective for that piece of it, which why I keep saying the moral discussion is longer than something I can answer in a quick, you know, one or two minute answer. But John Rawls' Veil of Ignorance is a very good mechanism by which to judge basic moral decisions to make you make you look at the situation as though you could be on either side. Do you think it's moral now? That's the general idea. All right, let's try and move on. Uh, John is there again in the old live chat with $3. Trey, are wet dreams immoral? Yes or no, please? No, because there's no, uh, there's no volition involved in that. So you, can I ask a quick question? Do you think people are choosing to be gay or do you acknowledge that they're naturally that way? No, there's, there's natural inclinations. We have natural inclination for every single act that we do. Do you agree with that? There's not one act that we do not have some genetic predisposition toward, whether it be hang gliding, playing chess or torturing spiders. But just because we have that inclination says nothing about the morality of the said act, right? Well, it's more about how much um, blame should be put on the person who is gay. If they can't help that they are attracted to other men, what should they do? Should they, if they do not find women attractive and they are only attracted to men and other men find them attractive, they should just not experience love and um, sex and you know, even within Maslow's hierarchy of needs of affection and tenderness and all the things that we crave as humans, should they just deprive themselves of that because they have a broken piece of their brain that doesn't comport with God's order? Well, first of all, I don't hold the Maslow's hierarchy. Uh, it's a Rousseauian idea of mankind. But I would say that the uh, what would you say to somebody who is uh, intergenerational uh, attractive? Or minor person attractive. You're, you're doing it again, Trey. I asked you a very specific question about a gay person and should they just... Just because you have a desire. Uh, is a minor attractive person oriented that way? They have nothing to do with it. Well, you're changing. You're moving the goalposts. I'm trying to make... I'm trying. No, I'm not. I'm I trying to make a point. I just want you to answer okay. the question, Trey. You're moving the goalpost into age of consent. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Because, because a minor attractive person is a pedophile and they are... Is that a bad thing? Yes, and they and now you're going to say according okay. to what? And what do you so have a moral standard? No, no, I'm they're, they're you determined about to do that, people. though. Who are you to impose your morals upon I'm that person? This is how you avoid answering logical questions. Oh, I'm yeah, I'm all about it. Answer the logic. question, Trey. Should gay people deprive themselves of sexual yes. bonding? Just like the person who beats their wife should deprive themselves of their natural inclination to okay, beat you their realize wife. You I'm are... not saying homosexuals are beating people. I'm not saying that. I, or I, the I person who overeats, they love to eat food. They need to deprive themselves for their own health because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, but some food is okay. So some gay sex is okay? It's not analogous. What? Beating someone... Some, some sex is okay, is not some you're, gay sex. You're, you're, you're equating love. And this is the problem with Christianity. This is why I oppose Christianity, because your values equate thievery and beating and lying and backbiting and stealing with love. When two gay people are in love with one another and they have sex, 
They are experiencing love with one another consensually. And you, in order to be against this, you have to compare it to a man beating his wife or someone eating themselves to death or pedophilia, a person taking advantage of a child. Any bad habit. Consent. You, any bad you habit. have to talk over me. You have to interrupt. Why can't you answer that question about why you hold gay people who, who, who are experiencing love to the same standard you would talk about someone being physically violated or, or forced to have sex as a child? That's not the same thing. Not, I'm not Two saying, adults consenting okay. to have love is a good thing. Why can't Christianity embrace that? Okay, somebody go through this 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 uh, debate and go back and see who had more time talking, and it was you, David. I'm not talking over you. I'm I'm not filibustering. It seems to me like you do for me more than anything. Let's go to the next question. You're going to answer the question or not? I wouldn't have to talk so much if you'd answer the question the first damn time. Yeah, yeah. I have to keep repeating myself to drag answers out of you because you avoid and deflect. Okay. Yeah, I'm scared to death of the logic. Well, let's try to. Yeah, I think that's where we're uh, where we're going to get with that one for now. Uh, these these people in the uh, our our live chat they don't want you fellas to go. They have uh, tons of questions and they keep pouring them in. So uh, we're going to try to keep going quickly, but uh, uh, just let us know if you run out of time there, David. Uh, yeah, no getting problem close. here. Uh, Pointless Poppy, four ninety nine. Trey, we have evidence that you're eating your babies and or sexually abusing them is harmful. Uh, we do mm -hmm. not have evidence that homosexuality is harmful. We do have evidence that God has spoken and given us a moral law, which we all know exists. There is an order to the universe, is what I'm saying. We have evidence that someone wrote down words that order exists and claimed it was from God, we don't have evidence that that God actually inspired that. And they are, they are reliable accounts that are attendant with miracles in order to verify the message of the messenger. No, they're not. All right, let's move on from there. Do, 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 do. Scrolling. Sunflower, uh, using up your membership question for the month there. David, we don't have the ability to pause, though. <laughs> no, but no, but when we're talking about hypothetical moral uh, dilemmas, they are thought experiments, and in thought experiments, you do. And I would I would posit that in most situations, you do have the ability to pause, not time, but your actions. If you're about to do something, you always have the ability to stop and ask yourself: If everyone got up today and behaved this way, would the world be a better place or a worse place? and weigh multiple options with that and go if i'm if i'm about to do something to someone if the roles were reversed would i be okay with what's happening to me would i enjoy the support and love i'm about to receive or would i hate the person for harming me you can in most cases stop and think about john rawls veil of ignorance almost in a way of do unto others as you would have them do unto you or as someone once said, the platinum rule, uh, do unto others as they would have you do to them, considering that person's thoughts, feelings, and emotions rather than projecting your thoughts, feelings, and emotions upon them. So I think in most cases, we do have the ability to uh, take a break and see if what we're doing is the moral thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Forte, $5. Is the word God essentially just a simple word to explain everything we don't know? Over to you, Trey. Um, 
No, I'm not making an argument for ignorance. I'm making a positive argument uh, from analytical necessity. So nothing could be further from the truth for me. Gotcha. Any thoughts on that, David, or do you want to continue on? I think it's a I think it's a shot at the God of the Gaps argument. It does sound a yeah. little bit like Trey's position, but he hasn't really got it all. Lot. It's not he's touched on it, but he hasn't really leaned on that. So I wouldn't I wouldn't feel the need to dive into it. All right. We're getting close to uh, some closing statements and maybe a little talk about what we'll find at your link. Sunflower, $10. David, if someone doesn't think they'll ever be in the position of the one getting stabbed, let's say they're wealthy, powerful, etc., why should they bother considering with John Rawls' veil of ignorance? Yeah, I think you're missing the point of John Rawls' veil of ignorance because the veil of ignorance would include them losing their money. So, in fact, the first time I ever heard that used, it was rich people treating poor people in a certain way. In John Rawls' Veil of Ignorance, if the billionaire could look at how they are treating the poor person, um, if they could go behind John Rawls' veil and reimagine the situation as though they were the poor person and a billionaire was coming toward them, would they want what they are about to do to happen to them? So I think you may be missing the point a little if uh, if that is your question, because um, the point is the entire roles are reversed. The point isn't to say what I want this in me in my world. The idea is, am I behaving in a way that is causing harm to the person? And if I were that person, literally that person, not in their situation with billions of dollars in a private jet, if I were literally that person, how would I feel in this situation? It's about weighing moral decisions. It's simply a mechanism by which to judge harm versus flourishing. It's one piece of the puzzle. It's not the entire argument. All righty. Any thoughts on that, Trey? Uh, like 15 to 30 seconds on that? I spaced off. No, I don't. All right, cool. All right. As I was going to say, it's mainly uh, towards David. So, uh, John, $5. Uh, let's try to be quick here, uh, and then uh, I'll put on uh, the old tune that I had on the beginning there. I've been trying to put on all our new tunes that me and uh, my good friend Josh had played before he left. It's a live take. I don't know if it's even that great, because I just found the beginning, found the end, volume tapered it, and pfft, off we go. So, I don't know. Maybe my voice cracks. Maybe my guitar is out of tune. I don't know. We'll find out. Uh John, $5. Uh, Trey, when Mary was impregnated by God, did it happen with her volition? What is the moral value of that versus rape? Should have said um, for the YouTubes, but yes. <laughs> it's, it's already well, come out. Well, um, did, did Mary consider herself to be violated? We don't know. Well, obviously she wasn't. She was delighted to be able to have that. Look at her Magnificat, her, her prayer that she did, made. Some did, did Mary write that down, or are you believing what a man wrote about a woman's account? I'm, I'm reading about what her account was accurately recorded by. How do you know it was accurately recorded? It was recorded by I a just, man. We just we went through this that the book of Luke is considered to be he's considered to be the greatest historian of antiquity. Doesn't mean he was right about everything. Well, it does mean that he's a, a reliable witness for what happened. Uh, that doesn't mean he was right about reliable witnesses okay. can be wrong about certain things. And I think okay. you you taking a man's account of a woman being violated is part about, of... No, it's her prayer. She was alive. 
that's what we're told according to what a man wrote down. Whatever, whatever. Next question. Yeah, whatever. A man wrote this stuff down and you're believing it as fact. You don't know. He could have been lying. And what's the difference? Do you believe uh, Pliny's work? Do you believe Herodotus? Do you believe anything in antiquity? It's all false. We, we can't trust anything from antiquity. It's a straw man. Luke is the best. Well, no, it's just silly. You're just making a, you're just making a no, my friend. No, <laughs> Look, you, when you talk about a history, the, 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 the things in actual history are things that are not, that are, that are still based on earth and within the physical world. And then you want to pretend as though that, that a, a virgin being impregnated by a God and then giving birth is totally fine. It's, it's the exact same. That claim is so much further far-fetched than anything else in history that you would, it would require so much mount, so many more mountains of evidence to prove it. So it's I, not the I, same. I, I it's a historian wrote it down and he was no, reliable. So I, whatever he wrote down is fine. I, I grant that, but can you give, can you give Luke the benefit of the same of any other historian, if he has been verified through archeology span to be a very faithful and honest witness? No. Okay, next question. Because because he says things that are physically impossible. How do you know that? Because of the testable, observable world and physics. Luke I... makes claims, Luke makes claims that we know are impossible for science. That's why they're called miracles. It's impossible. Special pleading. That's a special pleading fallacy, and you know it. No, it's not. That's exactly right. what it means. All right. Well, excuse me there. I had a hardcore sneeze, and I, I had to take a second there. Uh, Sunflower, $5. David, nihilists aren't kind to poor people. I'm sorry to break it to you. They don't care. Ooh. Um, I don't know that that's true. I, I, don't, I don't know. Again, that's a very broad claim. Nihilists yeah. don't exist. <laughs> because if they really believed what they believed, they wouldn't eat. Okay. <laughs> I mean, okay. That, consistent nihilists. Consistent nihilists. I, I would say... People to may some, call themselves that. I would say to Sunflower, um, it, it seems as though you have a misunderstanding of various aspects of my worldview. And I, I really would love for you to go to my website and click Be a Guest. DavidCSmalley.com. Click Be a Guest. Come on my podcast. Ask me all the questions you want. I'll be happy to explain my worldview and accept your challenges. I'll, I'll, I'll be in the hot seat. You ask the questions. I'll explain my worldview, and I'll, uh, I'll have more time to do so. But I think you have a fundamental understanding of where I'm coming from. Alrighty. Uh, well, let's uh, have one minute here to uh, have closing statements and uh, let everybody know what they'll find when they click on your link in the description. So uh, starting with you, David. Uh, DavidCSmalley.com is my website. I am a comedian. I wasn't very funny today, but uh, I am a touring stand-up comedian. I'm an actor. I've been in a Nickelodeon TV show. There's clips of that. I've uh, just filmed a movie it should be out in the next few months, I'm hoping. Um, and the biggest thing you can do is text me. It's actually a sign up for my text and I can respond to you and update you on what's going on. And that phone number is 424-306-0798. 424-306-0798. And uh, you can always sign up for my podcast on my Patreon. It's patreon.com slash 
David C. Smalley. Thanks for having me. All righty. And uh, Trey, uh, it was a pleasure okay. to have you, by the way, David. Uh, but over to you, Trey. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, it was nice to meet you, Ryan and David. Thank you for inviting me and, and hosting this conversation. It was very enjoyable. Um, I think that in my case, I was made a case uh, for the Christian God beginning with uh, existence and uh, necessary being being necessary for contingent being, which we are, and also for moral code. I received no rebuttals whatsoever, lots of obfuscation, <laughs> um, and uh, did not uh, feel like there was even a challenge to my argument. Uh, but I'm grateful. Sorry, was for, this our uh, was this our closing statement, David? or were we supposed to talk yeah. about our socials? It was yeah. a closing statement. We have. Uh, oh, we have I thought he said let people know what to find out in your links. I didn't know this was our. Oh, well, that too. Oh, sorry. I mean, if yeah, if you wanted and, a, a and, moment to and, do some closing as well, I'm sorry, David. But yes. Okay. Uh, we'll... I didn't hear that. Sorry, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, so Trey, uh, you can uh, wrap up. Sorry. So I don't. I don't have any. I mean, I've got my YouTube channels on there. I don't. I'm a. I make teeth for a living. So there's nothing special about me. I don't have a podcast or anything like that. I'm just a, a regular Joe. But thank you for this opportunity. It was very nice to meet both of you, and I, I'm grateful for the audience here to uh, give us your attention. So thank you very much. Awesome. Well, it was a pleasure having you as well. Uh, we did have two other uh, super chats came in. Uh, one from debunking ignorance. I. I would classify that as just kind of attacking a speaker. So, I mean, if you see that in the live chat, that's up to you. You paid for it. But I warned you I wouldn't read any uh, uh, chats that were just coming at our speakers. Uh, we want to promote a... the speakers that came on the uh, channel here of their own time volition. Uh, we respect that. So uh, we you should respect them as well. So, John, $5. David, can you talk more about why miracles require a different standard of proof than everyday events? Extraordinary claims, extraordinary evidence. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Extraordinary yeah, claims, I agree with that too. extraordinary evidence. I mean, if you, if, if you say that um, you bought a car yesterday, I don't care if it's true or not. It doesn't affect me in any way. If you say I bought a car yesterday and I'd like to sell it to you, now it matters. Now I need proof that you have the car, right? If you then say I need $3 million for the car because it was built by invisible fairies, well, that's an incredible claim that you should have incredible evidence to prove, meaning I should be able to come in and see proof of the fairies or see the fairies, meet the fairy princess, and we go on and, you know, ad absurdum. So um, I... I think it's as simple as extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. I recently talked in a podcast I just released actually about something I did years ago that I haven't really brought back, but I should called the faithometer theory. Think about faith as a thermometer and uh, uh, the, the, the less evidence you have, the more faith you need to believe that thing. And when you get more evidence, you need less faith to believe it. This is often true with many inductive arguments, things that have happened over and over, and you can go, it's probably going to happen again, things like that. You need less faith to believe it. And when you have all the evidence necessary, your, your faithometer is full of evidence requiring zero faith. So if something no, has... that's not true. It's my There's analogy. There's no such thing as no faith. It's my all analogy, so I'm going to keep talking about my analogy. Well, my I didn't mean to interrupt you. I apologize. Called, called a faithometer theory. Well, that's okay. If you want to you move have into, like, very little thoughts. evidence... If you have very little evidence, then you have to fill the rest of that with faith. So it's a sliding scale of faith. That's the idea. And was that uh, part of your closing statement, or did you want to have I don't need, you know what, I don't need a closing statement for this one. Everyone saw what happened. All so right, well, I'm good. Well, I think we all had fun, so that's the main thing. Uh, yeah, all right, I will close her down for now, everybody. 
and uh, pop you over into uh, a live take that I did a little while back. Um, yeah, so let's see how that turns out. Thanks to our speakers for being here. Thank you, everybody, Thank you. in our chat. Uh, yeah, right. See you next time.